Hiya, my name is uh, Freya Maver. Um, I've been in things such as uh, skins, uh, sense of an ending, La Dame dans l'auto, and more recently, Dead in a Week or Your Money Back. And you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that isn't delayed until later in the year by coronavirus, at least not yet. So I'm your host Craig and with me I have some people that are here to talk about some stuff. So hi Chris, are you at least two metres away from me? I am at least two metres away from you as per the restraining order. As per the restraining order, it's nothing to do with the uh, lockdown or the government advice, it's the restraining order. It is mainly the restraining order. (laughs) Quite a lot has happened since we were last here, by the way. <laughs> Did you not hear about that incident? I'll, I'll tell you about it later. Good, good. Yeah, it's, it's a story and a half that I'm not aware. Erin, that was the voice that you just heard there. Hi. Hello. Are you two beers away from me or Chris or anyone else? Uh, yes. But I heard the coronavirus can spread through the internet. Did you? Yeah, you could do a whole myths one where you actually just <laughs> put some doubt and spin on it. Uh, I'm sure if it was an episode of Arrow or something like that, you could spread a virus through the internet that people can catch. Isn't that right, Chris? Sure, why not? <laughs> it makes it makes as much sense as everything else. Yeah, I lost I lost my mind at the term server radiation the other day, and had to immediately text Craig. <laughs> uh, it was, uh, that was that, in Supergirl. Yes. Last but by no means least, Isaac. Hello. Hello. It's the first time recording where I'm actually two districts of Edinburgh away from you now. I can no longer live with you. It's the first time we've recorded where I'm in a different house. Wow. Momentous. We've we've just got to play the sound effects now of of you clanging pots and pans in the background, (laughs) Isaac. I have a a new flatmate who's who's doing that for me. Yeah. (laughs) So all the restraining orders. Okay. So we're here to just talk about stuff. We don't really have a topic. There's some stuff we've missed, trailers and so forth. Yes, we do have a topic. We just have lots of topics. We're not just going to come on and spraff for an hour. Yeah, we do have a topic. We have a few things to talk about, but we don't have a specific sort of targeted topic. So why don't we just start with a roundup of a few things that we've been consuming over the past little while while we're stuck in lockdown and can't go outside and or resign to whatever's on streaming or whatever else, because nothing new is going to air, you know, not at the cinema, because we can't go there. Chris, start with you. What have you been watching? A couple of things that you've just kind of... Uh, a couple of things that have just just kind of been, you know, the obvious one. I'll start uh, Picard. been watching Picard recently, so final episode hasn't aired yet at time of recording this podcast. But well, it'll be on season two by the time it actually comes out. <laughs> that's it in, in 2025 when uh, film production and tv production has resumed and the cockroaches pick up from where we left off so i've been watching uh, picard of late so final episode hasn't aired yet here but I've, I've been enjoying it kind of a mixed bag with it there's been some fan moments where i went yay there's been lots of bits where i went oh 
It essentially seems to be a show of whatever your favourite characters are in Star Trek, they've all had a bleak outcome since you saw them last. Yeah, there'll be a whole podcast on Picard, so talk more about it then. I'm kind of on the the line of saying that I don't really like it as a show based on how it's turning out. So that's where I land on it. So that would be an early rise against for me, an unexpected one. Imagine me not liking Star Trek. Kind of puts me into shock. Yeah, well. Hasn't Picard, I've found out, like, has the greedy hands of Alex Kurtzman all over it, doesn't it? I mean, he is like... Well, doesn't he ruin everything? Isn't that his curse? <laughs> Isn't it like... a writing partner that was, that was worse he than just, He's gone from Spider-Man to, to something else, and now he's just like, going along the list. He did direct The Mummy, remember that? That was bad. What, the, ori- the, the original Mummy or the Tom Cruise Mummy? The, the, the Tom Cruise one. All right, yeah, that was bad. <laughs> uh, by the original one, I'm assuming you mean the one that was made in like the 40s? Oh yeah, the nineteen forties. That's that. totally the one I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't direct the Brendan Fraser one. That was Stephen Summers. He directed the first two, and then there was no third one. So that was the end of that. <laughs> Aaron, you've been watching Picard. Where do you stand on it? I really enjoyed the early episodes, and I think it's just the reveal that has thrown me off a bit at the end. I wouldn't go so far as to rise against it. I'd stay with a Neil before, but I just, I don't want to spoiler it for anybody that's not, not seen it yet, but it feels like it opens with a big mystery and then just picks some old STNG basic messages to to head towards to the end i mean i might be surprised in the last episode but i think it's going to be a normal what it means to be x and what it is to be y end point but we'll see we'll see yeah stay tuned for the actual podcast so chris what side are you on are you rising against or kneeling before it i'm a tentative kneel before i think i could probably go either way i mean like aaron says I'm, i'm kind of a bit disappointed with the reveal but I don't know if this is one of these shows where the first season does a lot of building and puts a lot of stuff in place. And okay, the, the outcome of the season might not be what I want, but it might suddenly uh, you know, launch into something else if it continues. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, we'll find out. And by the time you listen to this, you've already found out, so we don't know. We shall see. And then, as I said, let's plug a podcast that hasn't even been organised, <laughs> let alone recorded. But it, it'll happen. It'll definitely happen. Yeah, it's like the recent season of the Expanse cast. It will happen <laughs> just at some point. No one knows when. And well, according well, to the laws of uh, Neil before Pod time travel, we either have or haven't recorded it yet, depending yeah. on when yep. in the continuum we are. It either has or hasn't happened. Who knows? Yeah, but it will happen. It's inevitable. Anything else that been watching that you want to? Nothing in depth. I've also started the new season of Altered Carbon as well, so I've started okay. watching that. But I've, I'm not finished it yet or anything like that. I've sort of watched an odd episode. Seems good, though. It just reminded me of how nuts the program was in the first season. So I feel that I kind of need to go back and watch the last few episodes of the last season to remind myself of everything that was going on. I've never seen Altered Carbon. I've heard mixed things about it, so I can't really contribute. Nope. Aaron, have you seen Altered Carbon? I saw season one. I haven't started season two yet, even though it's on my list. Um, Did you like season one? I really enjoyed, again, this is going to sound like a bit of a broken record thing, but I really enjoyed the opening part. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil the ending of the season one in case people are about to watch it either, but there was a particular choice made by the writers in season one which 
is one of those things where you know it's almost theatrical. It's almost sort of biblical or Shakespearean or Greek tragedy where they have to tidy everything up and make it all perfectly add together with every single brick they've used being relevant at the end. And it, it's so tight with who the main villain is. And obviously there's the main villain rules in everything where you think, oh, I can't be them, so it has to be them. And you try and go around. But when you figure out who they are and you're thinking you, you didn't really need to turn this into a Greek tragedy with such a fixed or almost stereotypical reveal of, of who the villain really is and what their backstory really is. And I, mm. I just find it so normal and boring an ending to something that opens with a background that is different and interesting and unusual. And you think, well, is there no way you could have applied your new ideas to the foreground rather than doing a tried and tested 2,000-year-old reveal? given that you've put all that effort into your background. So I almost feel like I'm just some sort of jerk who's not happy with any mystery reveal, but <laughs> I guess that's the way it is. Well, we know that you're the guy that hates fun. That is well, this is reputation. it. This season has Anthony Mackie in it, doesn't it? It does. I probably won't watch it, to be honest. I haven't seen season one. Aaron, do you want to kick us off with a couple of things that you've been kind of watching of late? I'll certainly have one in, because obviously some of the things that are going to get mentioned here I've been watching too, but I'd, I'd like to give mention to Lock and Key, actually, which I'm not sure if anybody's even aware of. I'm aware of it. I know it's another comic book property of some description, and that's about it. Yeah. It's uh, something that falls into that fantasy sci-fi border genre that i'm able to watch with my partner who's not interested in any of the stuff that i normally watch and there are a few things that are kind of accessible to the non-geek side of the audience that also we would watch and i was surprised to find this was one of them given that the source material, as well as you say, it is actually a, a comic book and probably quite a niche one, actually. I don't know that it's, it's a massive one known by loads of people. Well, but it, the it, trade paperbacks are out now, you know, to, yeah, co- well. to coincide with the show. So who knows what niche is anymore. But yeah, strangely accessible, it, uh, it turned out to be. I mean, it, it does have that teen element to it, I suppose. But everybody's used to watch, watching a teen show at some point or other. So... That might be enough to to bring it in. But actually, I thought it was, even though amusingly I didn't like the last episode, I did really enjoy the other nine or whatever they were. Oh, well. Nine-tenths is something. We'll take it. Yeah. Chris, have you seen this? Isaac, have you seen this? No, I've not heard of it. I've not seen it, but it does sound quite interesting. It's it's one for me to Google after the show, I think. Anything else you've been watching, Aaron, that you want to mention? I have been watching a few things. I really enjoy The Expanse. That was ages ago. Uh, What else am I watching at the moment? Titans. I'm actually still enjoying Titans, even though I'm not going to say I'm finding it amazing. I'm I'm getting enough out of it. It's still my DC show of choice. I still haven't seen any of Titans, other than the brief clip of it that was in Crisis on Infinite Earths. The briefest of clips. It's one of those ones where it's a completely different style to the other shows. If you're somebody that likes the Arrowverse... It's totally different to that. If you want to know the closest it's going to get, it's to ones you are already watching. The, the best you're going to be able to say is Black Lightning. And even then, it's not close to that. It's just that as Black Lightning turned to more issues of the day 
and a sort of a, a slight brutality to it or a slight darker side to it. This is Titans has really pushed that out. So they're not close, but they're the closest. Fair enough. Isaac, I'm enjoying the day one of Disney Plus. <laughs> so I think I started uh I forgot his name, I started the new Star Wars cartoon thing. Uh, Clone War. The clone the new Clone War series. Yeah, the final series. I only watched it, I watched it like half an hour ago while I was on the tea. I watched episode one of the Clone Wars, or twenty four episodes or something. There's quite a few. Not the most show stopping series opener, but it's just Yoda and some clones go up against some robots. I guess it's really what it's really like small cast, no major appearances from anyone other than Yoda and Azar's Ventress. I love Clone Wars. I'm not too fussed about the new season so far, but Clone Wars is like that for me. There'll be an entire arc where I'm like, that was rubbish, and then they'll move on to something else that I'll enjoy, and then it's just the way the show is. It's got such a broad spectrum focus, so it's different parts of the war, the Clone War, and it's pretty cool. It's some good Star Wars. Well, I've only just started watching the first season. <laughs> I'm way behind. I'm way, way behind. But after much coaxing, Craig has loaned me his Blu-ray collection, so I am now catching up. But now that you have access to Disney+, Plus, they're all there, actually. Yeah. Is, are we sponsored by Disney+, Plus today? Have we all got freebies? I'm just checking. No, but Disney owe me a lot of money from, like, different stuff. <laughs> I think our relationship has been sullied after Rise of Skywalker. They're just like, nah, no money for you guys. Slagging off our film. Cool, so Clone Wars. Have you been watching anything else, Isaac? I've also started a Netflix show called I Am Not Okay With This, which is kind of a a mix between Stranger Things and X-Men. It's a teenage girl moves to this new town and she has to sort of fit in the school and stuff. And it's about a weird sort of backwater American like little town and she seems to be developing like some telekinetic powers or some extra abilities but again like another one i've only just started that series as well so it's a good start it's quite mysterious it's a bit more moody than stranger things a bit more angsty it's not very long either things like eight half hour episodes so i carry on giving that a watch and hopefully that sort of keeps up its strong start i've heard of it i've not seen it that might give it a go especially since you say it's so short it'll while away in afternoon or so. I'll finish off with what I've been watching. I've still been watching Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. If you don't know what that is, we talked about it on a previous one. I think you were on it, Chris. Basically, there's this IT girl who works at, you know, one of those IT companies that you only see on television where it's all just big, glossy, neon-lit offices. Basically, the premise is she goes for, like, an MRI scan and something goes wrong, and then she ends up being able to find out how people are feeling but they express it through singing a song and you know usually doing a bit of a dance that only she can hear and see and it's like music that you might know so it's not original music for the show but the performances are are put on every week and i've seen four or five episodes so far there's been like six or seven and it's really good i'm really into it i just haven't been able to keep up to date with it as much as i would like to but heartily recommend it especially since you know I, I recommended the first episode and now i'm continuing to recommend the further episodes because it's great aaron i think you might like it funnily enough it sounds like it's got some things in there that i would enjoy yeah, yeah. it's got dance numbers so aaron's all over that yeah i'll take that as a recommendation so singing dancing feelings computers 
all that stuff. Chris, you can critique the tech language in it. <laughs> oh, there we go. It's got everything then. It's got everything. It's a podcast waiting to happen, perhaps. So I'd recommend that. Uh, outside of my normal show load, nothing really. I have decided to rewatch the Battlestar Galactica reboot, though. Something to do. And Good choice. I'm into it. Just finished season two. It's good fun. Well, it's not, I mean, it's not fun, but it's, it's good. It's aged quite well. And it's quite interesting looking at it through a modern lens because it's very much a product of its kind of post-9-11 time. So when you look at it now that 9 has been a long time ago kind of thing, it's, it gives you an interesting perspective on the way that they were writing shows back then. No, it's definitely interesting. I finished a rewatch of uh, well, maybe five months ago, maybe six months ago. It's one of those ones that every once in a while I do a run through again. And yeah, I think it's held up really well. It is a good show. So that's a bit of a flavour of what we've been up to. Shall we move on to talk about some movies that we might have seen over the past couple of months and things that just snuck in under the wire before movies stopped coming out? Should we do that? Yeah, let's go through the Best Picture nominations for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> for next year, yeah. I'll say it now and I'll put a noise up that we're going to spoil them. To some degree. Are we? We're not, Are we? Okay. Yeah, we're not going to go into detail, but if you don't want to have Birds of Prey, Sonic, Bloodshot, The Invisible Man, or Onward Spoiled, then I don't know, skip ahead a bit. I don't know to which time index, just skip ahead, like half an hour or something like that. Yeah, skip ahead until the bit where we reveal the ending. Yeah, I mean, most of these things you better figure out anyway. So, let's do some movie chat. So, Chris, myself, yourself and Isaac went to see Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn on its opening day. And it was a film that we watched. The thing is, at the time I had kind of a lot to say about it. But as time has went on, I've kind of forgotten quite a lot of it. And I haven't seen it again. So, it's weird. It doesn't stick in the mind too much i don't think yeah you made some bold stylistic choices it had some good funny gags in it i think i had more fun at some of the gags than the other people in the screening that we were in it was very quiet there was a lot of just humor not landing or people not laughing at it and i kind of had the feeling that if some of the gags had been in a deadpool film folks would have been rolling in the aisles whereas with this folk were like no no (laughs) not having any of that it's not Deadpool saying it, it's Harley Quinn, so no, 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 no. There was odd bits in it that I thought were good, but yeah, overall, like you say, it's not the most memorable of films. Yeah, Margot Robbie's great, and it's almost a showcase mm. for everything she's capable of in that role as well. It's kind of weird that it's supposed to be this Birds of Prey origin movie, and the Birds of Prey as a team don't turn up until well into the last act, really. I mean, they're in it throughout, but I think it takes too long to bring them together. Yeah, it takes ages for them to form as an actual group. You've sort of got all these separate stories before they combine together. It sets up some interesting characters. They do some funny... Is it Huntress? It's Huntress, Mm -hmm. isn't it? I like all the gags about Huntress not quite being able to be cool enough and not being taken seriously enough and, you know, not getting her stick down, which I think is great. Getting very annoyed at being called a crossbow killer. (laughs) All that sort of stuff I I thought was good. But yeah, it either needed to be, I think, like a a Birds of Prey movie or just a Harley Quinn movie. I don't think they should have flagged it as Birds of Prey. And the fact that they then came out and sort of adjusted marketing and bits afterwards, it's like, no, it's too late. You've done it now. They should have spotted that a lot earlier. It was maybe that they weren't confident enough that simply saying Harley Quinn would have sold it. 
I don't know. Yeah, Black Mask was good though. Ewan McGregor did a thing mm. in that role. He was appropriately slimy. Oh, a proper good villain, I thought. Yeah, Isaac, what did you think after all this time? I really enjoyed Birds of Prey. I think one of the things I loved about it was that Gotham had the landmarks of comic Gotham, and it's sort of a silly, like that we saw, like they go to Amusement Mile, there's Founders Pier, there's the sort of Chinatown area and stuff, and it's nice to see like Black Mask has a club, and he's just and. In all the other Batman movies, like you have, it's the origin of the Joker or the Riddler or whatever, and they're coming up with a giant scheme to destroy the city. And in this, it's just like, oh, these, it's like a sort of delicate ecosystem of villains. And Black Mask has his gang and he does his underground dealings from inside his club. And somewhere the Penguin has the Iceberg Lounge and he's doing the same thing. And it's really nice seeing a movie where it shows that sort of more gangstery style balance that all these supervillains in Gotham are having. And I think yeah, it's just bright and colourful and lovely and fun. And like you said, Hugh McGregor's is amazing as Black Mask and he's so horribly cruel and just sort of devilish. And Victor Zaz is just slimy and unpleasant. And it's just, it's just kind of fun to watch. I mean, that's why it is noticeably weird that Batman's not there. It's difficult to sort of gauge... Well, I suppose we don't know anything about the new Batman movie, like whereabouts this is set. How soft of a reboot is it? Obviously, we have Margot Robbie, who's met Ben Affleck's Batman, but are they just sort of forgetting that and moving on with a new Batman? Where's he going to fit in? I guess we'll find out if they mention it in the the Batman movie coming out. But Mm -hmm. I'm quite excited to see this type of Gotham with just like the final pieces, just we want to see Batman interacting with it. So I'm more excited by the promise. If they continue this trend of DC if you focus on the villains more than the heroes and try and make this more of a maybe more specifically with the Gotham I guess they'll do other stuff with Aquaman and Wonder Woman etc but I do want to see this Gotham with Batman in it I think I'm, I'd be super excited to see that I think the, their plan is that they're sort of trying to focus on individual efforts aren't they and if they're going to bring it together they're going to do it later on I, I, I'm a bit like you I don't see how they would sort of drop uh, patents and batman in there or sort of try and combine it back in it seems that they're sort of all going their separate directions at the moment and they might try and pull them together later well it's very clear that birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn i have to say the full title (laughs) it's it's the law because that's what it's called and i don't know i guess someone thought it would be funny to call it that and then it's not so funny because people are like what the hell is this i'm not going to see this and there you have a box office semi-flop or partial success whichever if you're a glass half full or glass half empty guy it's the same box office i guess Mm. but yeah it's in the film itself it's quite clearly a sequel to suicide squad because you see a picture of jai courtney's captain boomerang and they refer to events that happened in suicide squad and the kind of off-screen joker that you see looks a bit like jared leto's joker and so on so it's clearly like a sequel but at the same time, you shouldn't watch Suicide Squad to <laughs> lead into it because, yeah, it kind of assumes you know who Harley Quinn is, which I think is a bit of a problem in it, in a way, because it is her story. I mean, it gives you some of her backstory, but it's very quick. Yeah, they do a sort of rapid summary, don't they? Yeah. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, no one saw Suicide Squad. Your average audience member might not know who Harley Quinn is. Hmm. <laughs> 
Unless they've been watching the cartoon, which is, you know, alright. So, let's do the rounds. Aaron hasn't seen it, that's why he's not said anything. Isaac, would you kneel before or rise against it? I would kneel before it. Cool. Chris? Yeah, I think I'll go with kneel before as well. Why not? Yeah, I'll go with a soft kneel before. It kind of creeps in that bracket for me. Almost barely, but it does. And just for fun, Aaron, based on the conversation we've had, do you think it's something you want to watch? Can I go with Neil before, based purely on what you've said? Sure. Four Neils. Hooray. It is now available for streaming because, I don't know where, but it's available for streaming somewhere because (laughs) no films are coming out anymore. So there we go. Because the films have stopped. Yes, there are no films. Okay, next up, we will talk about Sonic the Hedgehog, the highest grossing video game movie of all time, which is admittedly possibly not a high bar, but it has made a lot more money than anybody anticipated. And to be fair, I think it deserves it. I liked it a lot. I think I had a good time with it. I'm a big Sonic the Hedgehog fan from way back. Used to play the games religiously sonic on the mega drive or genesis if you're american was the first game i ever completed so you know sonic always holds a special place in my heart so i'm glad they did something reasonable with the film i'm kind of against the idea of pandering to angry internet people when it came to the design and stuff but in the same token it's like why did they think this other design was going to fly in the first place like why didn't they just make him look like he did in in the actual film we got originally you know who thought this would be a good idea but other than that i think it was good fun james marsden was in it and did stuff jim carrey did magnificent 90s jim carrey as robotnik sonic was quite good ben schwartz great voice of sonic i enjoyed it had a good time it was a good way to spend valentine's day it was a very romantic Valentine's Day. Yeah, I really enjoyed Sonic. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to walk into a car crash, and it was actually a lot better than I thought. Like you say, Jim Carrey being the most Jim Carrey-ish he has been in a long time. I don't know if they gave him any lines or if they just set him loose on set and saw what happened. I don't know. But yeah, way better than I thought it was going to be. 90s Jim Carrey. It's good to have you back. Aaron, it has a magnificent dance number in it involving Jim Carrey. He goes crazy and dances about. Okay, yeah, 90s Jim Carrey and dance routine. Yeah, I'm up for that then. I'll have to go positive with that as well. Well, I'm going to kneel before it because I liked it. Chris, what about you? Before for me. Isaac's not here to defend himself. He is having connection issues. So I'm just going to assume he liked it as well. He's just going to kneel before it. So that's a unanimous for Sonic the Hedgehog. That's also soon to be available for streaming because, you know, because there's nothing else to watch, apparently. Next up, we've got Bloodshot, the last film to ever be released in cinemas. (laughs) (laughs) it just snuck in under the wire it's a Vin Diesel effort he gets upgraded with nanoprobes or nanomachines or whatever the hell it is to become essentially a superpowered killing machine and he Vin Diesel's about that's what he does, he keeps Vin Dieseling about I thought it was okay it was very Vin Diesel-y I don't know, there's not a lot to say about it it's just kind of all right. It's very generic. There's lots of, oh, well, I've seen this before, and I've seen that before, and I've seen this reveal before, and I've seen this twist before, and I've seen this. And you sort of go, okay, 
yeah it's not an awful film it's not the worst thing committed to screen it's just it's all been done before unfortunately it kind of has this twist where it starts off with him having that happy moment where well it starts off with a kind of dull action sequence and then his wife gets killed apparently by the guy that he was trying to bring down because that's how these films always start and then it tries to subvert that expectation by essentially structuring it as a narrative that's been built into his brain to essentially point him at targets that Guy Pierce wants him to kill. And it thinks it's been clever with that twist, but I firmly believe that the film was just dumb enough to give us that story in the first place. So that the only surprise that I had was Okay, it isn't quite that dumb, but it's still pretty dumb. I did enjoy seeing Sam Hewen from Outlander in a modern context. That was quite fun. And I think my favourite scene was the second time that they showed him being coerced into going to kill a target. And he, he says that, this guy killed my wife, I'm going to go. And Sam Hewen just sits down and he's like, oh my God, this guy. <laughs> he's, he's like heard it a dozen times. And he's like, I've had it. I've had enough of hearing this crap every time. There was some cool action, though. It's quite a cheap... Film? I've not seen Bloodshot, but based on Vin Diesel and he's probably wearing a vest and he's immortal and he's got family. How so, how different is it to Fast and Furious? Is it just I'm, Fast and Furious, but like comic book Fast and Furious? It's I mean, Fast and Furious, comic, but there is an actual reason for him to be immortal. Yeah, isn't Fast <laughs> and Furious comic book Fast and Furious? Yeah, it is. So I mean, will this do as Fast and Furious 9? Could just watch Bloodshot and then look out the window at Edinburgh and just try and assume you're watching the same thing at the same time. It looks like it's just... Does he have a car or a motorbike? I don't know much about Bloodshot. I'm assuming he drives something. He kind of steals cars and planes. He steals a plane at one point. At two points, actually. He steals a plane that's been purposefully left out from it. It's hilarious. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nonsense, but... It's at times entertaining nonsense. There's a lot of slow-mo. There's a distracting amount of slow-mo especially towards the end, it just starts looking like a PS2 video game cutscene where your disc is a bit scratched and it keeps skipping or freezing. That's what it starts to look like towards the end. Yeah, So I'm going to be forced to rise against Bloodshot because, I mean, it wasn't a complete waste of time, but it was a little bit of a waste of time. Chris? I kind of don't forgive Bloodshot in the same way that I forgive elements of Harley Quinn, so I think I'm going to go with you. Aaron, does this sound like anything you would ever want to see, or are you going to skip it? I'm afraid at the moment I'm pretty much just an internet echo chamber because you've just talked me out of ever seeing it, so I'm just going to, probably whatever you say, I'm probably going to copy unless you tease me in with more dance numbers. Cool. Well, there's no dance numbers in it. There is a bit where a girl who can breathe in any atmosphere swims, if that's your kind of thing. But other than that... Doesn't sound like a dance to me, so... No, no, she, she, I mean, it's kind of like synchronised swimming a little bit. Yeah, not enough. No, it's not enough. Isaac, based on what we've said, would you kneel or rise? I'm going to kneel before it because I'm a, a kind of an idiot. And as soon as I liked all the Fast and Furious movies, which has been Diesel being immortal, this sounds like the sort of thing. I'm quite glad that it's on streaming now. I can, well, not streaming now, but it's, it's out digitally now, so I'm going to try and find this as soon as I can. Because this like, will make the wait for Team Fast 9 much easier to bear. So that's that covered. Next up, The Invisible Man. Has anyone except me seen this? I don't believe that anyone has seen The Invisible Man, because he's oh, invisible. Oh, oh, oh. So ah! 
Ah, oh, yes. He lines them up and Chris hits it home. Oh, okay. Their crowd go what? No. Uh. <sighs> Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Sorry. And that's why we have a restraining order. <laughs> well, I'm glad we found out. <laughs> so there we go. Everything pays off in the end. Aaron, have you seen it? No, sorry. Isaac, have you seen it? No, I've not seen it. Right, okay, just me then. Cool. I liked it. I thought it was really good. It's a very simple little horror movie. Um, the dark universe thing is no longer a thing. It's no longer part of this at all. It's just its own story. The one criticism I kind of have is... So the trailer, obviously, even the film as well, makes it kind of look like, is this woman crazy? Is she actually being stalked by her ex boyfriend is she being haunted by a ghost so it, it kind of leaves that ambiguous but the film's called the invisible man so you already know that she's being stalked by the invisible man and then also in the trailer you see her throwing paint on his face and things like that well he's invisible but if you manage to watch the film you go in completely blind as in so blind you don't even see the title it might work but it's really good elizabeth moss does a really good job at playing a bit of a the paranoid, not quite damsel, but she has a lot of agency throughout. She does a lot. It goes in the direction that you might not quite expect. The ending is interesting in a way that you might not expect. I'm going to kneel before it. I think it was a really solid horror movie. And if this is the spark that lights the dark universe, this is the big bang of the dark universe, then it could get off to worse starts and has got off to worse starts already. So who knows? Have I convinced anybody? I'm kneeling before, obviously. I don't think you've convinced me because I don't know if I know enough about it, but I am curious to know, is there any connection at all to any previous version of the novel, the old film, or is it pretty much a standalone thing to try and fit into a, a more modern concept? I mean, it, it's, it does have some connection in the sense that there is a man who is invisible. Sure, that seems... If they, yeah, that's a tiny connection. As that yeah, is. and there will be some nods. I'll, I'll confess I haven't seen the original in a long time. The Yeah, the Universal monster movie type original. I've not seen that in quite some time. I mean, obviously I know the, the imagery. You know, where he wears the, the bandages and the sunglasses yeah. and the hat and all that. And obviously I've seen the... Uh, well, maybe not, obviously. I've seen The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen that riffs on that. Mm. Which, you know, is a film I quite like. It gets a bum rap, but I quite enjoy it. It is out for streaming now. Again, released early because there's no reason not to release things early now. So you could check it out if it's something you're interested in. It's not too long. It's quite simple. It tells its story well. It has some moments of real tension, some good cinematography in there. It's a nice time. Well, I mean, not nice, but it's, it's a good time. It's good to watch. I think if I wanted to see it, I would have. So I am going to rise against on this occasion. It just doesn't seem like my cup of tea. Okay. How many conversations do we have about there's all these films at the cinema and you're like, oh yeah, I've not seen that yet. I've not had the chance. Or Oh yeah, I've got other ones that I've not had the chance and that I wanted to see. This was one of the ones that I probably could have had the chance, but just didn't fancy <laughs> so you're going to rise against Aaron what are you doing I suppose if you're opening up the old soft kneel before as you said before which sounds a bit dodgy when I say it but I'll, I'll, I'll take that <laughs> soft kneel before Isaac do you have any thoughts on this I'll kneel before I enjoy horror movies and this sounds like psychological well I suppose it's psychological horror the same thing probably but it sounds like it's quite tense and 
I suppose, like you said, the secret's kind of ruined by the title, but it will be quite fun watching how everyone does start thinking that Elizabeth Moss has gone crazy or whether or not people believe her or not. And it it sounds like it should be like, yeah, I might. this might be one that I'll try and check out uh, when I can find it. Yeah, I'm going to kneel before this one. This sounds quite fun. Cool. So that's fine. Next up, let's talk about Onward, Pixar's latest effort, which is like bright, but if it wasn't terrible. The premise is it's sort of a fantasy world that's evolved to the point that it's the modern day or like the 1980s version of the modern day kind of thing. That's not really what it's about. It's about a pair of brothers trying to have one last magical moment with their father who passed away. Tom Holland's the voice of the younger brother. Chris Pratt's the voice of the older brother. They do a magical spell to try and bring their dad back, but they only manage to bring back his legs. And they go on a quest to try and finish the spell. And, you know... I'm sorry, what? Yeah. They bring back his legs. They bring back his legs. So this is a horror film. No, it's not portrayed as such. It's magical. Yeah, so his legs are there and his legs can walk about on their own and things. That is real. I was totally up for this until he described that horrific scene. (laughs) It's not gory. I mean, it's a kid's film. It's it's a Pixar movie. But yeah, the film is really about the brothers' relationship to each other and everything they go through. And there's a lot of magic thrown in. They rediscover magic because it's a world that's forgotten about magic. Just like in Bright, except it's not terrible. And I absolutely loved it. It's my film of the year so far, 100%. I thought it was... It was very moving. It was very impactful. It was very clever in the way that Pixar can be clever. And at the end of the film, you're just like, wow, how did they do this again? Well done, guys. Absolutely loved it. Neil before, all the way. So, Aaron, have I convinced you other than the legs? If I ignore the legs, then yes. I mean, you won't be able to ignore the legs. It is a significant plot point. I'm going to have to ignore the legs before I go in. And I'll pick up the <laughs> true meaning of the legs when I'm in there, but I'm yeah. going to have to ignore them for now. Yeah. True meaning of the legs is that they were with you all along. Well, I mean, literally, they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's very good. And I think it's going to be on Disney Plus pretty soon. I don't know if it'll be on UK Disney Plus pretty soon, but it's certainly already been released on streaming somewhere. Again, because nothing else is coming out. Chris, is it something you want to see? Have you seen it? I haven't seen it yet. I did want to see it. It is one of the ones that you were talking about earlier on where I always say that I don't get the chance to. (laughs) uh, And I didn't get the chance. So, yeah, I do want to see this one. I've heard good things. Yeah. Isaac, do you want to see it? Have you seen it? I have seen Onward. It was yeah, yeah, it is yeah. very lovely. It's yeah. a really sort of heartwarming movie. I think you don't really realise that it's about the brothers immediately. It's quite nice. It sneaks up as they go on their journey. Yeah. In the, I won't say any spoilers in this one because I think it is one that everyone should watch. Give it a go. But it does get really nice. And Chris Pratt are great as a sort of dorky older brother because in this world, Dungeons and Dragons is historically accurate, which is great. And Tom Holland is the permanent teenager. If he ever plays anything that's not a teenager, his career is over. He's always charming and lovely. And yeah, I think it's just a great cast and it's just really fun. It's really nice. It's always Pixar. Always know what they're doing. So it's a definite Neil Before from me as well. Yeah, for me. Other two, Neil Befores as well. Yes, Neil Before for me. Yeah. Sure. Okay. That's fine. That's it for films. I haven't really seen anything else that's worthy of comment. I just thought we should do a bit of a round of of some of those. So that was it. How about we go talk about some trailers now? How is about that, guys? I've seen these. That's good. 
Aaron can finally speak again other than be cajoled into having an opinion about something he hasn't seen. Actual opinion. Much like most of the internet, really. There we go. Bit of a dig at the internet there. <laughs> That's your bread and butter. Be careful. Yeah, I know. Okay, trailers. Let's start with Marvel's upcoming release. It was supposed to be out on the 1st of May. It is now no longer out on the 1st of May. So Black Widow is a film that's coming out. What do we think of the trailer, Aaron? So far, mostly unimpressed. Oh. Let's stay with the positive. I did like the action sequences that I was showing, but when I was watching the rest of it, I, I was stuck with so many old thoughts. But the one that really bothered me is the one that you'll probably be able to explain. It's just that I didn't get it, which was the appearance of effectively Captain America, Hawkeye and Iron Man, which I'm aware that Hawkeye does have a place in Black Widow's story, but some sort of pre-proto-Captain America and some sort of half ass Iron Man. I, I didn't understand why that needed to be there, as, as if we, we wouldn't watch if there wasn't the characters from the Avengers. Yeah, so I think what you're talking about is the, I forget his name, the David Harbour character, who's essentially Captain Soviet, you know, Captain Russia. Sure. Yeah, um, I guess it's the idea that Black Widow essentially had a superhero, or a, not quite superhero, but family before the Avengers and kind of going to explore them. It's also supposed to introduce the new Black Widow played by Florence Pugh, of course, because Natasha may or may not still be dead. So there we go. The thing of it is, where I completely agree that they wanted to do that, why did they have to pick characters that effectively we've seen them in the Avengers? Was that done on purpose, do you think? Or was it just that that's actually who her main villain is and they were stuck with it? So the Hawkeye guy that you're talking about is actually Taskmaster and his thing that he mimics the fighting style of any person he watches. So you see him do little moves. So there's like the Hawkeye move, there's a bit of a Spider-Man move that he mimics Natasha's fighting style, etc. So that's what you're getting at there. His whole point is mimicry. Or maybe a she, we don't know. We don't know who's under the mask for the purposes of this film. I will agree with you, I'm not hugely impressed by the trailers because that collection of images don't really mean a lot. And I've had issues with the Marvel trailers of late anyway. I watch the trailers and I'm like, well, I'm going to see them anyway. So, you know, I see all the Marvel movies. I remember thinking that about Ant-Man and the Wasp and Captain Marvel, etc. So, I don't know. I guess it'll be good. I think it's supposed to be set between Civil War and Infinity War, so... It's kind of annoying that the only Black Widow story is like this interquel that doesn't really have huge impact. That's a slight issue. I think it's a bit of a shame for the character because it feels like something that was this sitting on the boards, on the cards at that time, and they just went, oh, there's no room for this just now. Uh, we'll do it later if we're going to do it and we'll tweak it. And now they've went, oh, actually, we'll release this now. We will do it. You know, we will tell this story. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the trailer, Chris? Or any of the trailers, there's been like four of them. Yeah, there's, there's been a, a sort of glut of them and they sort of put little bits and pieces in each one. I think the trailers are all right. I'm not particularly excited by them. They've not really shown anything of like, oh my God, I really want to see that. It sort of tells a bit of story. Of course I want to see it because it's Marvel tied in and I'm a sucker for it. <laughs> I will put my hands up and go right away. Yeah, yeah, okay, fine. I'm going to go it. and see it. I'm a Disney show. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a shill. I'm yeah. going to go and see it. Uh, they've got me hook, line, sinker anyway. Um, 
it it kind of has the feeling that you're going to be disappointed by this is the tone that i'm getting from the whole thing and i think there might be a bit of a problem for me after endgame i think i'm going to have this feeling unless something comes along and really surprises me i've got this feeling of i'm not particularly excited about doctor strange i'm not particularly excited about black widow i'm not particularly excited about the eternals or whatever there's nothing in it that i'm sitting there going oh my god i so want to see what happens in these i hope that i am completely wrong and that one of these totally surprises me blindsides me and i am mega excited about it but yeah after the end game i think i'm gonna end up petering out i think I hope we get to find out before the end of the bloody year, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isaac, what do you think? It just looks a bit like, yeah, fine. I think, I guess I don't know how much we can talk about like trailer speculation and stuff, but as, have any of you read the it looks like there's a GoPro in Taskmaster's mask and that it's not particularly a skill the Taskmaster has, it's just that they're watching footage on this just getting it relayed back to them, which I think is a bit silly. I've not read that. You'll need there's, to link it for the notes. Yeah, I'll send a link on the notes, but it looks like it's in between the eyes. There's one of those sh- shoulder cams, like those sort of bike thingy cams. Mm-hmm. So it looks more like technical than skill, which seems to be a bit of a, like, go all in. Like, if you're going to do Taskmaster, because I know he's got a fan favourite amongst the comic villains, it seems to be like, this could just be anyone. It could really just be a soldier. And they're just trained up. There's a lot of Black Widow's origin we don't know so I think it's saying he's in charge of the Red Room now or he was in charge of the Red Room or something it just I don't know it's all very filmed in Chernobyl or wherever it was the same as Hobbs and Shaw it's all fights in car parks <laughs> all Marvel films it's car parks and trains and I think it goes back to saying about what I liked about Birds of Prey this one's in a fun fair this is in a colourful district amongst this huge crowded market in Chinatown. This one is just in some concrete square. All this stuff's happening in the same sort of concrete square that Marvel always seems to have their fights in. So it just looks a bit, just not very interesting. Obviously, we all go, we all go watch Marvel movies and stuff because like, we'll carry on with them. And I think another problem is I'm more excited for a lot of the stuff they've announced with the Disney Plus, like She-Hulk, Miss Marvel... Loki, like then there's all the, the trailers like Scarlet Witch and Winter Soldier, but they look great. And then compared to, and this is what the film's going to be, it's, I don't know, it's just not very enticing. When <laughs> I know that something that looks just even more experimental and weird, and then something that looks like just great, and they're coming out roughly, maybe roughly the same time, so August, September 2021 now. So we don't need to see the, like the movies and the TV stuff's kind of the same. So I think. Maybe with Marvel, like when they'll, they'll start showing stuff for the Eternals and Doctor Strange and if they go more cosmic and, I don't know, Guardians or whatever it is they've got on their slate, I think. But, Thor, yeah. Like this sort of, yeah, just down to a small, yeah, Thor. Yeah, this sort of down to a small industrial Marvel story just kind of looks just a bit bland. Yeah, fair enough. So you're rising against the trailer then? Uh, yes, I'll rise against. Okay. Aaron, are you going to kneel before a rise against based on rise against too much rage Chris rise against the trailer based on just the trailer I'm rising against the trailer I'm not necessarily rising against the film <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's the way we're doing it at the moment I, yeah. I might might love the film but not the trailer <laughs> yeah we just don't know we'll find out yeah. in 2022 or something whenever it comes out I think it's 25 now 2025 <laughs> that's it yeah. the science has changed Greg yeah 
I'm going to rise against the trailer as well. The, the thing is that they've got me because they've got me because I've been watching Marvel movies for 10 years and I'm not about to stop. But I don't know. I think we need to do better with their trailers. I think they feel like they've got us as well. And I don't like that. I don't like that they take us for granted like that. Give us something. Okay, so let's cross over the pond to DC and let's talk about the trailer for Wonder Woman 1984. And I think it's almost the opposite of Black Widow and, and it feeds into what Isaac was talking about because it's very colourful, it's very stylish, it's it's very 1980s, which, you know, it's, it's clearly going for a vibe there. It's clearly going for something that's meant to be a bit, a bit out there, a bit wacky, a bit different. It's good to see... Gal Gadot back as Wonder Woman. She's so good in that role. There's some cool costume stuff in it. There's a sequence where she uses a whip to swing off lightning, which is just cool. Chris Pine's in it for some reason. I like the look of it. I'm looking forward to seeing this in the year 2084, I think is when it's coming out. That's the joke, isn't it? You, know, you haven't delayed it that long. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Isaac, what do you think of the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer? I remember how excited I was for the first Wonder Woman trailer because that trailer was amazing. And this trailer is just kind of okay, but mostly I, I don't remember much of it. I remember <laughs> we see what will be the cheater, but it's just a lady. We're like, okay, there's a lady and Donald Trump and he's doing something. And I don't like the gold eagle armor. I know it's, I think it's from Kingdom Come, but it's weird. It's not like a cool big reveal. It's like, oh yeah, now she's, you know, armored up. She's going to be, I was like, she's She's quite cool already. Like, I don't know what, like, I guess she'll be able to fly, but she could kind of fly already, or she could just jump very far and jump enough to destroy a tower in a church. It just looks a bit silly. I, mean, I suppose these things are supposed to be silly, but I mean, not in terms of, it's supposed to look really cool. And it just kind of looks like you got a Gal Gadot's head and then the rest of it's just like this big tin, weird statue. <laughs> yeah, the, the stuff like the landing cool, the, the Wonder, like Wonder Woman doing stuff is cool, but it, it's the same action that we've sort of said in Wonder Woman 1, which is like sliding across the floor and kicking stuff and like flipping lorries. And So I think like it didn't blow me away as much as the trailer for the first one did. But also the first one is amazing. So if it's at least as good as the first one, hopefully. So I'm excited in that sense of I want to see like Wonder Woman 2. But if, like with the Black Widow trailer, they don't feel the need to put in as much effort in. They go into Wonder Woman. People are going to go see this. They, that's our, our flagship film at the moment. Like, we'll just roll it out. Everyone will be happy. Yeah. So you're rising against the trailer or a soft kneel before or a film kneel before? Or... Yeah, I'm going to rise against, I think. I'm going to soft rise against this. Soft like, the film will be good, but this trailer is just a really lackluster trailer. Okay. Aaron, did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, I did watch it and didn't get much out of it. I like you and like Isaac will go and see the film because of uh, the history behind it but I wouldn't bother if I'd have just seen that teaser because it's it's an action flick with set, that's set in the 80s it almost brings you in with a tiny bit of plot that at least actually gives a really good reason why the I've forgotten the guy's name that you just mentioned her love interest Steve Trevor that's the guy. I really like the reason why he's back because it really fits that 80s theme and the idea of the villain being that Lex Luthor style, given that Wonder Woman is effectively the same power level as Superman. It makes it, why on earth is she fighting guys with guns? She should just walk through. 
she shouldn't have to do any cool actions that you can choose. You just walk through and flick them. And that's it. The action doesn't necessarily attract me because it doesn't make any sense in that bit. But so the villain should be really interesting because of that 80s threat, that Lex Luthor, I'm just going to outwit you completely here. and doesn't matter how strong you are. But the thing of it is, the trailer here is a teaser, but it teases the action. You say, oh, you might see this, you might see that, you might see these lorries flipping, as Isaac's saying. It doesn't tease anything about the plot itself other than he's back. And it doesn't even tease that. It's like, yeah, he's back. Okay, fair enough. So I, I wanted more plot in it than action because I know it's going to be an action film because guess what? I saw the first one. So <laughs> not not impressed at all by the trailer, I'm afraid. So. So that's another rise. I'm going to kneel before the trailer in case that wasn't clear. Chris? I think I've got to kind of go with what Aaron and Isaac have said. I'm, I think I'm going to have to rise against. Again, exactly like Black Widow, I'm going to see this film. I really enjoyed the first film. Trailer itself, not as much of a film. Yeah, okay. And as of today, they've delayed it until August 14th, apparently, as its current release date, which may move again, may not, who knows? Depends on whether we're all immune to this virus by then. That's fine. Let's go to a film that we kind of obliquely touched on earlier, Fast and Furious 9. Um, Isaac, you like talking Fast and Furious, so I'll let you go first. Yep, we've got someone. (laughs) I really forgot. Um, Not The Rock. The other rock, rock light, rock zero. John, John Cena. <laughs> John Cena's in it. He's Vin Diesel's brother because of family. And Han Solo, or some of Han Solo's family, is back because he didn't die twice already. <laughs> and there's a bit where Vin Diesel's head slams through some full-on granite bridge, some full like a full meter chunk of stone that's holding up an Edinburgh bridge, and his head goes through it. Like it's a knife through butter. I cannot wait for this movie. It's amazing. And a, he does like a leap across a dumb Grand Canyon with like, he's got some rope cut in his wheel and there's a stealth jet. It, there's, there's a jet <laughs> with a magnet on the bottom for picking up cars. Meanwhile, they it, somehow lasso oh yeah, their got, way across a, a canyon. Cars. I love it. They've worked out. They don't have to put any effort in anymore. <laughs> it's amazing that they haven't gone to space yet. Surely they have. Well, there's nothing faster than Furious in space. Maybe that's the last one. Well, they do tease a rocket attached oh, to a car space in that trailer. So it, it's got yeah. to be the edge of space. That's the only way they can go from this. Yeah, I mean, if you're going by physics and anything like that, the trailer sucks massively. <laughs> However, the fact that these films just every time they go, what's the next most stupid thing we can do that will just get everyone going? What? How? And I think slingshotting yourself across a canyon, ad hoc, on a car, with a bit of cable hanging from your back bumper. Anyone who has been rear-ended in a car and has had half the car crumple away at the back end will know that a hook would definitely do that to the back of your car. (laughs) It'd be gone. However, I've got to kneel before this trailer simply for the way how it makes Edinburgh look friggin' awesome at the beginning with the, the wide, swoopy helicopter shots. So, yeah. It does a better job of Edinburgh than Hobbs and Shaw does of Glasgow, that's for sure. Yes, yes, though we can talk about another film later on, but I think every film now should feature a slow-motion drive-by of a Greggs. <laughs> yep, I mean, the trailer it looks like a Fast and Furious film. I've never really been excited by a Fast and Furious trailer, and this one's no different. I find it hilarious that John Cena appears to be Vin Diesel's biological brother. It just suggests that anybody can be Vin Diesel's brother. Maybe the next film I'll be his brother and I'll try and kill him. Because, why not? The space thing, I think they'll get into space. 
And I think they'll be able to breathe just by rolling the windows up. They'll be on the moon doing a drag race and they'll have the windows up and they'll be breathing and talking normally. That's my prediction. Imagine what Vin Diesel's space vest is going to look like. <laughs> it's going to be the same. It'll be a white vest. <laughs> it'll just have like, it'll have like Elon Musk's SpaceX logo on because obviously they're going to drive like the Elon Musk, the shuttles because <laughs> he'll get involved because like he's he's a billionaire. That's what billionaires do. So it's going to be Vin Diesel with his like vest, and he'll have maybe like one of those like swimming nose plugs on or something, and they'll have like LED on the side of it. Cause it's like technical. I've yeah. just got a picture of him standing there with a snorkel in outer space <laughs> as they race dune buggies the, you know, the across only, the moon. And the vest only covers his chest; his arms are still exposed, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> At the top of the snorkels, a corona. You <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't not have coronas. Yeah, I mean, Fast and Furious is just a live-action cartoon, so you would accept it. Aaron, what do you think of this trailer? I don't know what to say here. I haven't seen any Fast and Furious films. It's so blatantly not for me, you know. <laughs> All these things, the references to the previous nine films. No idea. Who are you? You could be anybody. I know that guy there, sort of Vin Diesel guy, that's it. Who else is in there? And, Oh, family this and brother that and wife this. And, I mean, it, it is Greek tragedy again. So I'm afraid to say the most interesting thing on Fast and Furious I've currently found is the entry on Wikipedia under spin-off films where it said the next one is, quote, untitled female-led film. And that's what the I, 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 think it, I think it should keep that title. <laughs> wow. So that's been a. Is that, is that another one where Vin Diesel's going to kick off because people are breaking up his film family? I, possibly. There's literally no data on here. It's just important that it's led by a woman. That's, that's it. That's all we've got. <laughs> Fair enough. So are you rising against the trailer based on I, that? Or? I'm sorry to do it because it seems so unfair to such an established and popular franchise, but I'm going to have to say for someone who's not seen it, any of them, it has to be a rise again. Is it a hard up. rise or a soft rise? <laughs> I don't think I want to go anything into more to that because this, this <laughs> pantastic podcast is really going to start to play off it in a way that it's, I don't want to. It's a, it's a quarter mile at a time rise. He doesn't know yeah. how it's going to pan out. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to quarter mile at a time rise it as well because I don't think the trailer is that enticing because it's just nonsense and we've seen Past and Furious do nonsense before but I don't know I'm not hugely into the franchise anyway from my perspective it's a franchise that takes seven films to get good so I mean it deserves points just for managing to have that many tries before getting good (laughs) doesn't it you know it's like one of those where how does it keep getting a chance and then they finally hit the, the thing you know Let's never forget that the first film is about Paul Walker going undercover in Vin Diesel's operation to stop him from stealing a load of DVD players. That Mm. is the plot of the first film. And there's like street racing for some reason as well. But he is stealing a lot of DVD players. Just think about that. Think about that and then think about racing a submarine in the eighth film and try and figure out how we got there. There were a lot of DVD players on the submarine. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the final film should be him stealing DVD players again. 
<laughs> just go back to where it all began. He's like, I'm going to steal 4K players. They're going to be like the next big thing. Because after coronavirus, physical media will be in again. <laughs> it's all Vin Diesel's plan. It's it, I'm telling you. He did I was this into so that people would watch Bloodshot. And then <laughs> he did it so that physical media would come back. So all these 4K players he's nicked will be valuable. I mean, I think the, the closest everyone's got to the mark is that it's just been a massive marketing ploy by Disney+. Plus. I would agree with you if it coincided with the US release. But yeah, it's been long established. Everybody's seen The Mandalorian. By the time all this is over, everyone will have seen at least two episodes of The Mandalorian. <laughs> and two episodes of Clone Wars Final Season. So there. I know it's half and half for fast, I guess. Two Neils and two Rises. Unexpected. Okay, up next, James Bond. No time to die. No time to come out. More like... I'm just going to kick off by saying I don't like this trailer. Not keen to watch nearly three hours of Daniel Craig looking like he wants to be anywhere else but in this film. It's hard to get excited about any of the stunt stuff they're doing in a Bond film when Mission Impossible exists. Because Mission Impossible is, you know, you've got Tom Cruise hanging off planes or flying helicopters and while he's hanging off that helicopter. And in this, it's, you know, yeah, a stuntman jumps off a bridge or whatever. Who cares? So... I'm going to rise against it. You've also got Christoph Waltz in it. And as we mentioned in an earlier podcast, he is not being a ninja. So, yeah, I'm out. Not that fussed. Yeah, I kind of feel that I demand my money back from Isaac from the last time we did one of these podcasts when I think we had got the title, No Time to Die, and we got promised Christoph Waltz a ninja, and it has not proved true. No, it was the working title was Shatterhand. No. Was it Shatterhand? Was that who? Isaac, your thoughts on this Bond trailer? Yeah, I do like Bond films, but this trailer seems to have like it's Daniel Craig jumps on top of a bridge on a motorbike, and they just shot like three times. That must be like, there's not that much in the film. If you have to repeat action scenes in a trailer for a film, there's like like I said, it's like three hours. Then what happens in the film? <laughs> How much? Unless it's all spoilers, and it's just this like huge trick. And he doesn't land it. That's like the, it's like the cold open and Daniel Craig doesn't land the jump and his head explodes. And the rest of the film is a new Bond or something. Why are they hiding so much of the film? I think there's, like, there's been like two trailers or something or three trailers. And it's Daniel Craig does a doughy in his car. Daniel Craig jumps on, yeah, jumps off a bridge or something with a, with a rope. And then Daniel Craig jumps onto another bridge with his bike. And it's just like that. That's it. That's all the action they wanted to show us for the moment oh yeah Christoph Waltz is in a cage but I think either A they are hiding a lot of movie or B there really is nothing in it it's just going to be a lot of moping so I'm going to kneel before the film that I want it to be like based on I'm going to go with they're planning a Hideo Kojima style ruse and <laughs> we might still get our garden of poison or whatever <laughs> But there has to be something that they're not showing us because there's so little that they can, but they've said the film so long. So I'm going to kneel before based on like an optimistic hope that there is a huge rug pull coming along. So you're kneeling before your promise of the film, but rising against the trailer, is that it? Or Now I'm going to kneel before the trailer. Okay. Just because I wasn't thinking about the movie before. But now my like, speculation over drivers like zoomed in. It's like, what aren't they showing? What aren't they giving to us? Why are they holding so much back? So I think that's basically the purpose of a trailer is to get people thinking about it. So I'm going to kneel before based on sort of thoughts. Aaron, what do you think of this Bond trailer? Well, mostly what people have already said, but there's a few extra little things that I put down here in my notes that 
Very trying to work out, really, I guess, in the same way that Isaac's been describing of working out the plot. I'm trying to work out the characters as well, because I can't work out the dynamic of the writing of the female characters, really, because you've obviously got a very powerful 007 coming in, but then you've still got a Bond girl. I'm thinking, is that a really clever play on the old giving way to the new? Like the Bond girl is stuck with Bond, but then the real 007 comes along later. So it's some sort of clever development of women through time in Bond films. Or is it just, where's the Bond girl? And you so had to bring her in again. You're referring to, what's her name that was in the previous film, Leah Siddall? I don't really know, but she, she's a scientist in the trailer. And she's in the car with him when they're all driving around and he's doing the driving and she's just looking at him. Yeah, so that'd be, that's Leah Siddall. She was in the mm-hmm. last film. Um, she was like the Bond girl in the last film. And I can't remember what he does at the end. Does he go away with her or something? I can't remember. And there's something about her betraying him in this. But yeah, you've got Lashana Lynch who's playing the double O agent that's in his place and going to put him in his place, I guess. And you've got this lack of relevance for Bond now. Well, they do that same joke they do in Picard where he introduces himself and the person taking his name has no idea who he is. Oh, I didn't get that. I got the opposite. I thought he looked at him as if, oh my God, it's you. Well, I thought it was the opposite. It's like Bond as if, and your first name. Oh, well, we'll have to watch that for clarity as we're still trying to work out what on earth the plot is. But yeah. the other thing that you've picked up on there as well is this idea of running back through all the old plots. So they brought this woman back in who's got some history with them and they also try to hit a few other bases with Blofeld and then Felix. Hmm. And you're thinking, why is he doing the rounds? It honestly looks like he's been told by some sort of silly treasure hunt game that he's got to go and speak to everybody from his past. (laughs) Because it doesn't feel like it's natural where you would... The old plot that I think has been done in some previous films, of course, where he's away from it all, or he gives up his badge, as it were. I think it's Timothy Dalton that does that. He, he, he goes rogue and says he's got to do it by himself. And you're thinking, well, that's the reason to bring up all of your history. Because when you go rogue and you throw in your connection to the government, who are you going to rely on? You're going to rely on people that you haven't spoken to for 20 years because they are the only ones left that you've not just burnt your bridge with. And then you've got a reason to go back around everybody, potentially including your villains, because you are that desperate that you've got to find help from somewhere. And the only person that will speak to you is the one that hates you. And you have this lovely love-hate relationship going on. But but now he's just collecting one like Pokemon, going around picking them all up. Because you can't figure out what the plot is, as Isaac says. You can't see why he's doing any of this, other than to have some snarmy getting there. In a cage, go, hello, Mr. Bond. Do something sexual with me, you know, because you can't figure out what the plot could possibly otherwise be to give him that dodgy voice as he's saying hello to James Bond. Well, this is actually all the Daniel Craig Bond does. Either goes rogue or retires. That's pretty much what he does. And the last film was all about how the previous two films to it were connected, which was a load of rubbish. Or the previous three films to it were connected, which was, yeah, a load of rubbish. So... I was going to say that's that's where Bond ends up at his worst is when they try and connect all the different films together and go, look, it was a plot the whole time. It yeah. wasn't something that we've just decided was a plot. No, no, no. We totally planned all of this. Yeah, even though it's, the um, yeah. even though the villain in Spectre, not Spectre, the villain in Skyfall was all about the fact that he didn't answer to anyone. Turns out he's been answering to Blofeld this whole time. Like, <laughs> no. That's not what you've established. That that actually makes the previous villain 
worse. You've just ruined your previous villain who's really good. Well done. And yeah, I think it's going to go out with a whimper this this tenure. It kind of annoys me that most of the debate is, oh, is this his last one? Is this his last one? It's like, yeah, it's totally my last one. Yeah, 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 I'm finishing it now. And then they go, oh, he might do another one. It's like, no, if he's going to, like, enough already. It's like, if, if this is the publicity stunt every time there's a Bond film, oh, it's Daniel Craig's last one. He says no it's on like, the first dump truck of money. It's the second dump truck of money. Yeah, the, the second comes. dump truck of money, then, then he's totally in. It's the, it's the DFS sale. You know, it must end Monday. <laughs> no, 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 actually, we lied. It's going to end next Monday. Oh, yeah. For me, it's, it's a bit like, okay, time to roll it on. Yeah. But trailer doesn't really do much for me. I don't like the, oh, let's keep going back and going back and going back and going back, and it's all connected. It just peeves me off. Because I think Bond is at its best when it's, being a bit silly and poking fun at itself and not taking itself over the top seriously. But I don't know if that's maybe a reaction to what you were talking about earlier on, Craig, which is, well, we're not going to be able to compete with Mission Impossible on stunts. So we're going to lean more into the, oh, it's espionage and double crosses and triple agents, quadruple agents, you know. No one knows who's against who, and he's got nowhere to turn to. Meanwhile, you've got Mission Impossible, where they're constantly being disavowed and set up and running across bridges and rooftops and breaking their legs during filming. Yeah, people that know Bond better than me, I've not seen most of them, always say that Bond's better as a participant in a story. It's much worse when he is the story. And based on what I've seen, I kind of agree with that, because whenever they try to make a film about James Bond... I've not enjoyed it, so but that's based on a very small sample size. Does anyone who knows Bond better maybe expand on that, echo that, disagree with that? Well, I suppose there isn't that many pre-Daniel Craig Bond stories that are overly focused on him. I think like the ones the most are like on Her Majesty's Secret Service onwards. So they did that in the last film. He gets his wife at the end of the oh, what's that? I can't remember. It's before on Her Majesty's, but he gets his wife. She's killed via Blofeld. It gets a bit more personal because he wanted to build up the Blofeld thing. And then from then on, you only live twice. Right. The Man with the Golden Gun and Living Daylight's Octopussy in the books. It, like, they sort of get more personal then. I suppose in like the earlier movies, like the Sean Connery, Roger Moore, it was mostly just James Bond just did a mission. And I think it was really Timothy Dalton era, where, like um, the one was License to Kill when he goes rogue. And that gets more like, oh, who is Bond when he's not doing a mission sort of thing. I think... It's nice to mix them, but really, Daniel Craig hasn't done just a mission. So we've only had pure, who is this Bond? When they haven't had any of, oh, we got you, we need you to stop a terrorist group or something, or some media mogul's gone crazy or something. It's all about like who this Bond is. And it's not mixing them very well. It should have really done a bit more of a mix of, here's a standard mission, here's something from your past. Then the next film is, I suppose more like the closest like Skyfall, where it's just, that film was about M, and it's more personal, like, what's M's story is, and then James Bond's just wrapped up in the story between M and Silver. Yeah, you can't do everything about Bond, but it's quite nice. I do quite like when they sort of get more into him, so he's not just like this weird robot, psychopath killer man. But yeah, Daniel Craig's Bond has been almost always, each film is, ah, but the first film that was just we're quantum we're the real guys and then the next mm-hmm. film you know then was it c and spectre's like oh those guys you thought they were in charge well actually was this thing and they're trying to make it like oh we've really planned ahead we know what, really what they're doing is just trying to take coincidences or they're just trying to crowbar past easter eggs into the previous films and i think think hopefully going forward post daniel craig just for a bit just do some normal bonds like have bond 
we can still have him have development and growth through the film, but just give him something to do, give him just a villain to fight and yeah. stack the odds against him. But you don't have to go too crazy with the oh, it's his brother or destiny or whatever. <laughs> Where it turns mm-hmm. out he's the villain and him were raised as brothers. <laughs> out of nowhere yeah that was- i mean the bit that i didn't get with this bond with the daniel craig bond is like the first film is meant to be that's his first kill that's him getting his double o license and then almost immediately they go ah he's an old man he needs to retire and <laughs> yeah. it's like what he just qualified a film ago and now he's an old dog needing new tricks what do you mean he's like oh i'm getting too old for this nonsense it's what <laughs> one film in it's like you've done nothing else immediately set him up for retirement Christian Bale's Batman after like one year as being <laughs> Batman it's like well your knee's buggered so that's that's you <laughs> I'm getting too old for this Alfred yeah. what, you've, been, you've been out and you've beaten one baddie <laughs> you beat one you bad should... guy and then you retired <laughs> Yeah, you should see the list that we've got set up for you back here of all the people that you're going to fight no 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 I've done the one that's it, <laughs> that's that's it. it. I'm off I brought the Joker down job done no, yeah. nothing else yeah so a lot to say on Bond there. I think that's almost unanimous rise against, except for Isaac that wants to like it, so he's kneeling before. Is that a, is that a correct assessment? Yep, always optimist. Aaron, were you rising against as well? Yeah. Cool, okay. Okay, let's move on to one that's that's a good laugh. New Mutants. It's had a couple of new trailers, and it even had a release date at one point. Bloody virus pushed it back again. It's Got just, so close. It's cursed. We, we were almost in the cinema watching it, guys. We we're almost there. We were. I refuse to believe this film exists. <laughs> it's just a trailer. The thing is, they'll be able to do the sequel twenty years on, and it'll just come out. <laughs> they can't do reshoots because the actors are now way older than they were because they were like teenagers when they filmed it, and now it's yeah, it's it's, it's a mess. Looks good though. And I think it it stands a good chance of being a better swan song for the Fox X franchise than Dark Phoenix ended up being. So I like the Asylum, creepy Asylum vibe. The characters look pretty cool. They're well cast. It does this whole, you're mutants, but you're also a bit mental. And we're treating mutation as an analogue for mental illness. And I guess they'll deal with the question of, are you any less valuable or any less valid as human beings because you're mutants and this Asylum thing, I think. There's a lot in there that they can play with, and I want to see it. It's just going to get dumped on Disney+, Plus, surely. I'm convinced it's going to go straight to on-demand. When you think of all the stuff that they've got to try and reschedule, all the things that they're going to have to negotiate when they're putting all these films back out, where they're not wanting to be blocking each other off, surely New Mutants is one of the ones where they just go, right, we give up, it's going on-demand. I think we definitely need a podcast about it when it comes out. It's been mentioned so many times i think what we do is we record the podcast immediately after seeing it however we don't release it for two years by which time none of what we say is relevant and keep the same exactly. and rise against it as well it's like yeah i can't wait for the new whatever <laughs> the thing, film yeah. to come out can't wait for wonder women it's still not out yet do you like the look of the trailer Z- uh, the trailers yeah i kind of do i mean as much as we've been taking pot shots at this film for a while i do kind of like the look of the trailer i don't know what to expect i'm still a bit like uh, the fact that it's had so many reshoots and delays and everything does not it's bode particularly well that was misreported what was they, it no they, they couldn't secure any money to reshoot it it just got delayed so it could delay oh, so they could reshoot it and then they never got any budget to reshoot it so they didn't bother and then they were just like let's it. just bring it out because we're that's even out. better yeah. we don't think this is good enough boss uh, yeah we're not going to let you redo it 
Okay, happen. well, can we release it on original date then? No. <laughs> Just make everyone wait. But we all know that reshoots don't always make for a better film. Oh, no, no, that's true. That is, that is true. I mean, one of the studio fat cats decides this needs reshot because I didn't like the ending. And then they reshoot it to what that fat cat would like. And then suddenly it's rubbish. Are you saying that the Snyder Cut should be released, Craig? Yes, release the Snyder Cut. I want to see it. <laughs> Just as a curiosity. I, and I would like to see how people try and defend it after they realise. Oh, yeah, it's, it's got the same problems as Batman v Superman. Everything that I didn't like about Batman v Superman is in here, and I don't like it, and I can't believe I wanted to see it. No one's going to say that because they've built it up so much now. But as a curiosity, got to see it. But that's not what we're talking about. New Mutants. They can't do any reshoots now because the actors have visibly aged and can't look as young as they did when they first filmed the film. So, yeah, they're stuck with whatever the cut is now. But I really want to see it. I know Andrew really wants to see it, who's not here this evening, but he did say he won't believe it until he sees it, and then maybe after he'll think it was a dream. So that about sums it up, I think. Aaron, have you watched the New Mutants trailer? Yeah, this was the most interesting trailer of everything you put on our list today, actually. And I think I'm pleased that I've come to it without knowing any of the problems that the film's had. As I say, it's, it's part of our... Potentially, it's just everything that we know I prefer. Something a bit darker, something a bit more psychological. So it, it was already in my preferred wheelhouse, I guess. But what they present there is interesting plot, I think, which is some of the other stuff they haven't gone with. They've, all the other things we've been watching in this genre have just been giving us the action. Whereas... Now we've got a bit of a mystery here to work out, you know, and say this isn't a hospital, it's a prison. And, of course, that leads you to have to watch the film to figure out, well, is it both, is it, which is it, what's going on, why are they there? Is the villain actually torturing them? So it opens a whole bunch of questions, which I don't think any of the other trailers we've been talking about so far have actually done. Add to that, yeah, the theme being a little bit darker, and I'm totally up for this. So it's an Aaron superhero film? Definitely. Yeah, cool. Isaac, what do you think? I don't think it's a good idea to get too excited. <laughs> because like I said, this film's been we're out. never going to see it. It's like Half-Life 3 or something. Oh, it's a new trailer for New Mutants. I'm like, I'm not going to watch this. I'm going to get... I was excited, like, in 2003 or whenever it was when they announced it. Like, when <laughs> Ellen Page was locked in a, a washing machine or whatever. It's like, but now it's like new stuff. I'm like, but it won't happen. It just seems a bit like... I think I'm in a good place now where I've forgotten the trailer... I can remember that they lock Ellen Page in a washing machine and it catches fire or something. If they release this in the cinema later this year, I'm just going to go in and be like, I can't remember this. I'm just going to go straight in. I'm not going to watch the trailers to get excited for the quest of Don Quixote or whatever this film ends up being, like the film that never gets made. And I think I'm just going to stay clear of trailers and stuff as much as I can because either A, it'll never come out and then I'll never get I'll excited and not want to see it. Or B, it will come out, and I'll have forgotten it, and it'll like going into a film cold, which is a much better way to enjoy it. So I think if it's still the same trailer that it was when it was... Like, I still saw the same footage as it was in the first trailer. That was looked great, so it'd be worth kneeling before. But I'm not going to check, because I don't want to get my hopes up again, and I think it'd be far funner just going straight in without remembering much about the film and just experiencing it in the cinema. Cool. 
I'm going to kneel before the trailer. Chris, I guess you're doing this. I am a kneel, I'm a kneel before the trailer, yeah. Uh, Aaron, you're doing the same. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, unanimous. Fine. Excellent. Next up, Top Gun 2, or Top Gun Maverick. And it looks all right. It's Tom Cruise probably actually flying a fire jet, talking about how old he is, but showing that he can do it better than the young kids. It looks like there's some cool fancy flying in it. Lots of nostalgia. Looks like there's a bit of a volleyball game going on. Yeah, I'll see it. Looks all right. Neil before. Don't know what to expect. Chris? I kind of like the way they're going with this. They, you should be a lot further on in your career than you are now. Why are you still doing the same thing that you were doing before? So a bit, I like that angle that they're taking. Yeah, trailer looks tons of fun. So, yeah, um, Neil before. Cool. Aaron? I watched a really long trailer that, by my count, was 75% montage. And that didn't do enough for me, I guess, because... I've not seen Top Gun 1. So I think if I'd seen that, I would have responded more to 75% of, yes, so three full minutes of listening to music, watching volleyball and and, and planes moving around. So it's not that I didn't like the trailer because it is more of a teaser than a trailer. It's just that as a teaser, four minutes is a bit of a long time to watch through. Yeah, without having seen that first one, I feel like it's, it's calling me back to something I don't know. So it's the same with some of these other ones where you're wondering, do they care about a new audience? Because it felt like here, they really don't mind that they're only going after the old audience, which I I wonder if some of these things, is, is that sometimes dangerous? But I think the old audience for Top Gun is possibly so big that it doesn't matter. It's so in the cultural zeitgeist anyway that... Yeah. Even if people haven't seen the film, they'll be aware of the things you listed, the volleyball, the planes flying around, the, the music... Yeah. Isaac? yeah, I'm in the same boat. I guess this is what Aaron, you were meaning when we were talking about Fast and Furious. I have not seen Top Gun 1, so it's just planes going fast. It's just, yeah, it says, here's some planes, here's that highway to the danger zone. I'm like, yeah, great. But it's hard to get excited about because it's not new. It's relying on you. Oh, yeah, you all know the plane things. I don't, I don't know anything about like Tom Cruise's character in this or like how, he, how the first one ends. So... It's just, he's still flying fast and they're still doing, and doing whatever, playing volleyball and in the Air Navy or whatever that's supposed to be called, but I can't it's called, <laughs> Aviation Navy. Aviation <laughs> Navy. They didn't even manage to get across as part of the trailer who he actually works for. If they can't do that, then <laughs> The Aviation yeah, Navy. Like, like, like the Navy bit in the sky. What is it called? Air Force. Yeah. <laughs> Air Force. The it. US Air Force. <laughs> Sky Navy. I I do prefer Sky Navy. That sounds like a Doctor Who thing. Sky Navy. In terms of concept, this has been my best podcast. I've had Aviation Navy and Rock Zero. Rock Zero. Which I it's my it's my sort of golden thingy for podcasting. But yeah, it's it's Tom Cruise and playing them fast. Like I don't care. I'm gonna I'm gonna rise against. So this is two. I'm gonna grumble against because grumble. Yeah, because I don't know it. Like I don't. It's hard to say something's bad when you. Which it doesn't make me. I'm not against the trailer. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. So we've got two kneels and two rises. That's mm. literally yeah, fifty-fifty. Yeah, okay. Next up, another Pixar Soul, which I mean, I know I said earlier that Pixar always know what they're doing, and I'm still confident they do. It's just weird from this trailer. I don't know what the point of the film is. At first, it looks like it's about accepting the inevitability of death, and then it's 
I don't know. It's about learning what it means to be alive, and then it's about reclaiming life. I don't really know what it's about, but I think it does look good. I've got an Inside Out vibe from it as well. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I was about to say. (laughs) It has that Inside Out thing where when I was watching all the stuff from Inside Out, it was like, I don't know how this works, but in Pixar I trust. Yeah. And it was good. So I kind of have that same feeling with this one. I'm going to kneel before it because I have the trust. I just don't think the trailer presents what it's going to be about particularly well. And I can't see how kids would watch that trailer and think, I want to see that. Please, mum and dad, take me and spend thousands of pounds on popcorn so that I can watch this movie and go to the toilet six times during it so I miss most of it. Please take me to the one remaining cinema in the UK after (laughs) coronavirus. (laughs) Yep. So, Aaron, what do you think of the Soul trailer? Yeah, it seems to be just good life-affirming stuff, which is possibly what we're going to need soon enough. (laughs) So... I can't really add anything more to what you've said there. I'm, I'm going to vaguely kneel before it because it will hopefully cheer my soul, but there's no details on offer there, I don't know. Isaac? I'm going to think, say, going back to the problems with the Invisible Man trailer, is we knew going in, oh, there's an Invisible Man, or there's a bit, she splashes in with some paint in the trailer so you see the hexagons in the suit and stuff. I think this is doing the right version of what we wanted with that which is in the trailer, this jazz pianist, he appears to fall down a manhole or something, and then did he die? Or is this just going on at the same time? Or is this like in between the life and death limbo thing? So obviously it's not a horror movie like The Invisible Man, but it's the same sort of... It's not giving its game away going in. Whereas like, The Invisible Man couldn't really help but give the game away going in. Yeah, he's in the so think, like, before, which is where souls that, figure out what they're supposed to be or something. Yeah, it's, I don't know, there's a lot of concepts in the trailer. Like, yeah, there's enough concepts in sort of... But it's still like enough mystery to sort of know. Obviously, I think Pixar it could be accepting fates and stuff, or it could be like, oh, yeah, it's a happy ending. But I think there's like enough of this one, as opposed to like other trailers were or other films. I was more intrigued going in because it's not fully explained the concept yet. So we're going to sort of learn it. We'll see it develop as the film progresses. So I'm going to kneel before because like I say in Pixar, they pretty much always make good ones, and yeah. it looks very Inside Outy. And Inside Out was such a great high concept movie. So. I think it should be another like sort of intelligent, fun one. Yeah. It looks really nice as well. Like, just visually, like, him walking around the New York looks, looks amazing. Yeah. So that's all Neil's then, I think. Decent. Next up, A Quiet Place 2. We've almost got to see it. Almost. I had my ticket booked. It was only cancelled two days before it came out. Almost saw it. Damn it. Love the first one. The trailer for the second one, I don't think it's a super great trailer, but it's one of those... That certainly the first film is an experience you have to be in, you know, for that whole hour and a half or two hours or however long it is. And I think it's best enjoyed in a cinema where everyone is kind of shamed into the same level of silence that the film wants you to be because it's just, yeah, if you move, you might die. You know, that's the, the vibe. And then I remember going in to watch the first one and there was a guy with a big bag of popcorn, you know, a big large popcorn sitting like three rows in front of me. And I was just like, you're going to be my nemesis if what I've heard of this film is true. And then he didn't make any noise, didn't touch it for the whole time. That was the power that film had. And I don't think the second one will recapture that because it's lightning in a bottle. But I think there's a strong premise there to play with. And even if they do half as good with, yeah, it's really quiet and it uses the absence of sound really well, then it will be on to a winner. So I'm going to kneel before it. Chris? I haven't seen The First Quiet Place. 
the trailer seems all right, but obviously I've not seen the first one, so I'm not particularly running to see the second one. Okay. Aaron? I actually didn't watch this one. See, I'll have to skip over me, but I'll just say why. I didn't watch it on purpose because I do want to go back and see the first one, so I didn't want to risk being any spoilers or any characters referring to things that might have happened in the first. So maybe that's a sort of a proto-meal before, and I'm intrigued enough. Mm-hmm. And Chris, are you rising against or kneeling before? Uh, I suppose Neil, Neil against because it's a good trailer. <laughs> Neil against. <laughs> Neil against because it's a good trailer. Cool. Isaac? Yeah, same. I haven't seen the first one. But I've seen the teaser where it's just like they're walking, sort of like creeping along as quiet as they can. It's successful when it came out. And I think everyone kind of knows it's like, oh, yeah, you can't make any noise. So I think getting immediately back into that world, that was a good teaser to sort of bring everyone back in. It's the same, you know, it's Emily Blunt and the kids. And I think they make a noise in the trailer, I can't remember. But I think like snap a twig or something, and you know, like, oh, that spells trouble or... Yeah, it gets back into that world well. So I think it's kind of not similar to like the you know, the seventies Alien trailer where it's intense, just sort of starts off really intense, and it gets that sort of gripped feeling back in. So I think like it's a great example of a short, at least a teaser. I'm not seeing the I've only seen the teaser. I suppose I don't know if they released a larger trailer, but teasers go. That's a great sort of get you back into the world. Oh yeah, it's got to be quiet again. It's it's back again for another round. You know the rules. Stay quiet. So I think I'm going to kneel before because it's it's like the simplicity of it. Just yeah, you know what's coming. We, you know we're not going to bamboozle you with all this stuff right at the beginning. So I'll, I'll kneel before just because it does its job of like getting everyone back in. Even like I've said, I've not seen the first one, but I think the second one does look fun. Yeah. So pretty much unanimous kneel before, which I'm happy with. Next up is one that I think will generate some discussion. Morbius. It's another Spider-Man spin-off that doesn't have Spider-Man in it, or does it? Jared Leto. Not being the Joker this time, this time he's playing a man who becomes a vampire. The trailer didn't look as bad as I expected it was going to look, but I still don't think it looks that good. I'm going to rise against it because I just I just don't think it's going to be that good. And I find Jared Leto to be kind of unpleasant. So, yeah, not excited about this at all, really. Chris, you've got a view on Morbius? Yeah, I can't remember if we've discussed this as a, a Neil Rise on one of the other podcasts or not, or if I've just had a chat with you about it, and that's what I'm remembering. I'm not particularly enthralled with this one. I have this thing about the little universe of villains that they're building at the moment. I also find it quite hilarious. From the studio that put its name next to the following franchises, <laughs> quite funny. The one that brought you Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, it wasn't really you, was it? And we also brought you this. It's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, and Venom, okay, which is a film and, that you don't like, but you watched anyway. <laughs> yeah, and and Venom, and I'm like, yeah, but I, I didn't like that one. And I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, great. Potentially, it will be interesting. I'll probably end up watching it. It is well within my usual wheelhouse of stuff that Chris goes to see at the cinema. So likely, not necessarily on the back of this trailer, though. Plus, he went um, past a picture of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man costume, which is <laughs> set in the Raimi Spider-Man verse. We just don't know. Yeah, I don't. It's... And there's that cameo at the end of the trailer of Michael Keaton, which means it might be set in the MCU, but probably isn't. Uh, but the, the, the Keaton cameo, it's like, why tease that? It seems like, oh, what, what, what can we throw in that'll get 
everyone squealing and desperate to go and see this because we're going to highlight that it's, oh, it might be tied into everything. Oh, you better see this if you want your next Spider-Man film to make sense. I just don't get it. They tried with the whole Sinister Six thing before. They spent an entire film setting up the fact that they were going to do a Sinister Six thing with a little layer full of, you know, Doc Ock's arms and, you know, the symbiote and everything lying about before. I'm not particularly keen on seeing it. <laughs> I don't want them to build a universe of Spider-Man villains with no Spider-Man, <laughs> only for the later introduction of maybe Spider-Man. I also yeah. think that's all we see of Michael Keaton in the film itself. It'll be a slightly longer version of that trailer tease. Maybe like right. a post-credit scene, and be like, "Hey, I'm Michael Keaton from Remember Me. I might be in Spider-Man: Homecoming, but you don't know because I'm not going to say my own name." Not be it. Yeah. So, Aaron, what do you think of Morbius? I think that Jared Leto is really right for the role and I I would actually say that I would watch his Morbius but I'm still going to have to rise against because I think they failed to answer one question that always has to be posed whenever there's a a vampire in anything now which is what are you bringing that hasn't been done before because we have seen everything from sparkly to dark to anything you can think of and we rarely do we always even stray back to the old brutal horror of dracula because we've done that so much we've had to move on to all the other crazy stuff and i don't think morbius manages to come out and say right our take on this is and you think, right, that's totally different. That is going to be a unique vampire thing that is only going to be possible in the Spider-Man universe. So without a promise of something new, even picking the right actor for me hasn't managed to inspire me to go and see it. I probably still will, but <laughs> I, if I have to just rule on the trailer alone, then I'm going to go uh, rise against. What weird method stuff do you think Jared Leto does for this Film. Do you think he only films at night, sleeps upside down, drinks blood? Oh, this? No idea, but that is the sort of person that you do want playing uh, <laughs> a, an old school vampire, I think, because I do want the old school to come back. I do want it to be a story which is hailing back to the old tragedy. You know, you do not want to become this. This is an awful curse. If you can get out of this, then you want to. And it, it should come back on the families. It should come back on the loved ones. It should it should be a problem and it should be awful in some way because otherwise you're in danger of just saying, yeah, vampire's cool. <laughs> the best Jared Leto thing oh. that I've read recently is that he went away for a meditation in the middle of the desert for 12 days <laughs> with no technology or anything, only to emerge and find out about coronavirus and be bunged oh. into quarantine. It's like, hey guys, I've, I've, not been, I've not been here, what's going on? I've oh. returned all chilled out from my meditation retreat. What's news? Tell of me. I didn't realize you were talking about vampires. I thought you were talking about like being Jared Leto himself. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> Imagine it, you're bitten by Jared Leto and one day you wake up, you're sending condoms to your cast members, you're pretending to be blind on Blade Runner so someone has to walk you around. 
<laughs> like, oh, that's, a, that's the worst possible nightmare. Isaac, what do you think of this trailer? I don't care. I can't remotely care about <laughs> Morbius. <laughs> I'd forgotten about it. And then I've got your list up there. I was like, oh, no, Morbius. I was like, oh, no. Well, that about sums that. up. Yeah. No, I, I could not remotely. Yeah. It's like if they made like a solo Johnny Depp Grindelwald movie. There's like, oh, we're just going to focus on Johnny Depp Grindelwald. That thing everyone wants to see. It's like, no one really wants to see Morbius. No one. Yeah, he won't be as good as the 90s. This is a hard line again. Morbius. That's the definitive version as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last trailer we're going to talk about is Artemis Fowl. The reason that I picked this one is because I kind of thought it might have been up here in Street. I'm not that fussed about the trailer. I think it looks pretty standard, to be honest. But And I know that Andrew, who... I keep talking about Andrew and he's not here because he's familiar with the source material and he hates how much this apparently twinges away from it, of which I didn't bother to research or even ask him about. But he'll be on at some point and he'll complain about it, so it'll be fine. Yeah, I'm not that fussed by it. It looks okay, I guess. So over to Aaron, who it might be up his street, based on my assumption. So this falls foul of the standard fantasy problem, and therefore I'm definitely against it, which is that any time a film writer sees the word fantasy on the page, I think they feel like they have to put mass army battles into it, because that's all fantasy means. And I, I kind of get that there are fantasy stories out there that do have mass army battles in them but that isn't proof that they all do it's some sort of bad science so is there a compromise made where if it doesn't have a mass army battle they don't think they can sell it to a mainstream audience i have to assume there's something in it but everything i saw in there was the same sort of thing i think it seemed a bit tired and boring because it's sort of everything we've seen before but packaged up with fairies instead of something else and no, if there's some great stuff in the books, and I believe that there will be, then I fail to see any of it surviving into what that trailer is promising. So I'm going to go, I can see why you would think I would like it, but because of this problem I've had with fantasy for decades now, yeah, total rise again. Okay, so it's two rises. Chris? I am a rise against. I did read the book when I was younger. I've read the books and I really, really like the books. This seems to twist and change it somewhat. Change in what way? I'm not clear on this. They've kind of turned a villain into a protagonist. They've sort of changed the dynamic between certain characters. It's weird. It's a while since I've read the book, so I don't have the same sort of tie in as some other people who are very 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 passionate about you've changed everything they've sort of swapped some bits about and i'm not exactly pro that i do i do hate when they come along and they go no 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 if it's got a young person in it so they're they're now a a hero character type now and we're twisting it so that this character's here and this one's here and this is like no it's like do, do it the way it was in the book that's how that's how the book became popular and that's how you're making a film about it don't then come in and try and tweak it and post it about basically okay so another rise then yes cool isaac yeah i'm gonna rise against just i think it's more i don't know i've read the first artemis foul when it came out so i was i was young but i think based on we did the same with orient express because kind of runner again and orient express just looked like someone who'd heard of poirot kind of they just heard of like oh yeah as a detective <laughs> on a train but not like doing anything else so it's totally like the vibe was wrong and it looked weird and and this looks like the same sort of thing because I've heard of it. Oh, I think it's a boy genius and there's like, the elements. And someone's written that on like a post-it or something. I've written. Well, he's like the real bare bones. 
basics. And that's that's all the research they needed to do. It's like, oh, David, we've got... We'll just go from there. It's basically Alex Ryder or something like that. I don't know. It came out at the same time. And <laughs> it's just, yeah, they just go, yeah, it's like another one where it looks like Kenneth Banner's is not really got it. I'm not seeing his Thor movies. His Thor's a bit weird, isn't it? I think. Oh, let's not get so that I think it's... We don't have time for that. But yes. <laughs> yeah. I can hear like cat logging it, but... into the team speak as we. Or just as we talk. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Trying not to speak. Trying not to speak. <laughs> it just looks just a bit. Nah, a bit of a big old sigh. So yeah, I'll, I'll give Artemis Fowl a miss, so I'm going to rise again. Cool. So that's it for trailers. What we'll do is we'll finish off with a little bit of news. There's been little bits of news flying about that's still kind of relevant. Let's start with, we've had a reveal of the Batman costume and the Batmobile and some sort of footage of him riding a bike in Glasgow. Not just like a bicycle, as in a motorbike. Although I do want to see Batman on a bicycle now. That's that is, hasn't been done before. Yes, please. Yeah. So I don't know whether we're settled on our bats or Robert Battinson. I'll accept either. I think I think our, our bats is kind of good. I like our yeah, bats. I like our bats. Yeah. So his costume, I don't like how heavily armored it is. It looks far too armored. And the fact that his bat symbol seems to be made up from the gun that killed his parents is a bit much. But otherwise, I like the look of it. The Batmobile looks cool. It's just it's a car. It's going back to the, we'll give him a muscle car or just a car instead of the tanks that he's been cutting about with in more recent iterations or the impractical 80s Batmobile where you needed a grappling hook to turn the corner because it was so long. So, yeah, I'm, I think Robert Battinson's going to do a good job of playing Batman. Um, people think about Twilight, but he's done other stuff that he's been way better in, so... Watch the space. Not crazy about the costume, but, you know, I think it'll be good. I'm not massively crazy about the costume, but I think it'll look fine. Because the thing is, it's a lot of, like, candid set pictures and stuff like that. So it's not properly lit. It's not got effects and everything around it. It's not in the right lighting. And I think it'll look fine. I do think it's a bit dark that he's carrying about the guns that, <laughs> that killed his parents. It does seem a bit brutal. I don't know if that's the true story about those guns. We're all just assuming that's it. I do like that it's filming in Glasgow, though. I think yeah. Glasgow's definitely got the right sort of gothic architecture for that kind of thing, for being Gotham. I do also, because it's Glasgow and George Square and whatnot, I do demand now a Batmobile slowly sliding past a Greggs. It's Maybe he now the Batmobile up and goes in for a Greggs. That, just... that would be even more acceptable. I, I just want it in a car chase. Just a slow motion slides, you know, drift past a Greg's in slow motion in the Batmobile. Thank you very much. It's a man that knows what he wants. I, I know exactly what I want from my films. Yep. Aaron, what do you think of new bats? I don't think the armour bothered me. I think I quite like to see a bit of an armoured Batman just because it makes more sense. He is a human being. And sometimes he's up against these... I think the problem is they rarely make him move like he's wearing that much armor, so they try and make him still look kind of agile and stuff. But he's, you know, he's wearing pounds well, of yeah. armor. Well, he has to if he's just going to be this walking tank. He's not going to be the the I can swing from the rooftops person that you're expecting. And I I kind of accept that in the world of superheroes, with the money he's got, he can develop something that is both lightweight but yet heavy armor. So. I'm, I'm totally all right with that. I was more bothered by the car, actually. It looked like a sports car. I admit it will, looks like it will go fast. But other than that, I'm not sure 
it has some crazy crank engine in it that will presumably fire flame jets because they always have to have flame jets. But I don't know. It didn't get inspired by the car. It looked a bit too flash, purposeless. I, I do like the fact that if this is meant to be him at the beginning of his career, then I like the thought that Bruce Wayne would have a sports car sitting in the garage that he's maybe not the biggest fan of and go, sod it, that's my Batmobile. Yeah, maybe. And just sort of paint it a bit more black and add a bit of you know embezzlement or whatever to it and go, da-da, done, I have a Batmobile. Well, you know, this is a bit more intelligent than yeah, but yeah, fair <laughs> it's, yeah. It's kind of the proto idea of a Batmobile, as in the I need to get somewhere and walking will take too long, so I'll you know I need to drive, and I've got this muscle car, so I'll just use that. It's like if they are getting away in a car, I need a faster car. I have lots of faster cars. I just need to paint this one so that it's a bit more dark nighty than it is at the moment. Which you know, if it comes with that development to it then i'm all on board i guess you just can't get that from a, a picture yeah, alone. yeah yeah exactly it might not even be the final one it might be that this is a halfway house between before he ends up with a ridiculous military tank his tumbler going about the, the city Isaac, what do you think of this i love the bike i love that the bike is just a normal bike with two admittedly very dangerous batman ears on the front is easily going to James Franco do goblin himself if he gets a crash. But I don't mind the armor look. I think it looks kind of quite sleek. It's more knightish. So he's the Dark Knight, but it's quite sort of shoulders and gauntlets and stuff. I hate the car because it's a car, and it's kind of the same problem like the Christopher Nolan ones had, where it looks silly when it's like a real world situation and there's just an address as a bat. <laughs> and I think it's the same problem that if it's a man dressed as a bat and he's just driving in a car, it looks super silly because it's, it's not the car isn't silly. It's like the reverse effect. The Batmobile, I always think, it should be intimidating and weird, like yeah, like a tumbler. It's like a huge nonsense thing. It's scary if you're a criminal. And there's just this 20-foot thing bombed down the street. Or even the weird Tim Burton ones or the animated series on those weird squares those huge like long dragster things but it's different and it's like yeah i'm batman i'm here like batman's in the area it's an intimidation thing it scares people off but if he's just driving just a car and he's parking it it's handy because no one's gonna think he's there it's the stealthy thing but it just looks it looks kind of stupid it's just just a car it's kind of like the forgot like oh yeah, Batman has a car. We need to, we spent a lot of money on the bike and the costume and stuff. This will do for now until we think of a better car. Like costume, I like guns are weird, but it might we don't we that's only speculation. It might not be guns. It might just be bits of something. Bits of guns. Bike looks great because it's just. But it may, it may it may not necessarily be like oh this is the gun that killed his parents. It could just be oh it's made of stuff <laughs> sort of thing. So I'm okay with the costume. I really don't like the car, but I do like. I think he looks cool. He looks great as Batman in the costume. It's quite daredevilly. I don't know if it's specific because it's all the red, like the red shot thing we've seen. It's very daredevilly. I it looks mean, and yeah, it is a very exciting. It's better than the Affleck one, I think. It looks a bit more meaner than Nolan's, but Nolan's is a bit more quite polished and. It looks like Nolan's monk. Everything was there for a reason where this is more decorative. Mm. So I do like this costume, but I'm really not a fan of the Batmobile at the moment. But hopefully it's maybe like, yeah, once we see it in action or it'll be better in the film, hopefully. But at the moment, it's just a car. It looks weird. Cool. That's fine. So it's kind of kneel before slash rise against across the board for different aspects of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Next bit of news 
is talking about some Marvel stuff. So Scott Derrickson is out for Doctor Strange 2, and Sam Raimi might be in, which is news that I'm quite excited about because if they do want to take Doctor Strange in a more horror direction, there's no better hands to put it in than Sam Raimi, especially with a comic book property. He's done it before. He's done it well. He already has a relationship with Kevin Feige. He knows how to do a big blockbuster on a budget. He's had some success. I know the internet suggests that we need to hate the Raimi Spider-Man films now for some reason. I don't know why. We're not allowed to like more than one thing at a time, apparently. So Tom Holland's in. The other Spider-Men are rubbish. I don't subscribe to that idea at all. But I'll be quite happy if Sam Raimi takes over Doctor Strange because he is the right person to do it as far as I'm concerned. And I'm glad that they're getting someone of that pedigree in. As long as they let him do his own thing and they don't just consign him to stuff. But I don't think he would do it if he wasn't allowed to kind of take it in his own direction to some degree, because that's the reason he stopped doing Spider-Man films in the first place. So we shall see if it comes to pass and what he does with it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm for this. I think he's an interesting director choice. And like you say, he's got that existing relationship with Marvel. You know, I said earlier on, I'm not particularly excited for Doctor Strange, but if there's one thing that does kind of get me a bit more interested is that he's involved. Aaron, do you have an opinion? I'm afraid I don't really follow directors, so I don't... You know, when people say, well, who directed that? I never have any idea. I, everything you've said sounds good, so I'm going to do my echo chamber thing and say I'm going to kneel before based on the things that you have said but that's probably all I can give him a friend Yeah well if you like his Spider-Man movies then there's a good chance you'll like his Doctor Strange movie. Isaac, thoughts? I love Doctor Strange, I really want to see it go as weird as possible Doctor Strange is the character you can really like go as, especially if it's, it's going to be called the multiverse of madness, it should be wild this should be Marvel really flexing their imagination and just going crazy the first one sort of huddled into it a bit. We had some impressive, like I think the sort of standout ones, I guess the one where Caecilius and his gang are bending the city around like an Escher painting. That was definitely, at the time, it was cool. Oh yeah, this is a much different sort of thing than one we used in superhero movies. And I think the, the second one, they should just, should just go as weird as they can, go as overly magical as they can and just have you know fun with different dimensions fun with the characters get as weird alien magical demons and stuff i think the best thing i've seen for it based on the very limited trailer we got for scarlet witch and that weird world where she's bending reality and everything looks like in a different decade and we say i think scarlet witch is in the new doctor strange movie so i'm hoping that they really tie those sort of styles together we just get something as unusual and odd as possible again like aaron i'm not very good at directors i know he's done this by the man the sam raimi trilogy i've not seen evil deads and he's done more horror stuff as well but if he can just make a really pushing the boundaries out there marvel movie then i'll be well down for that but you and chris will know more than me about him but that's that's what i want to see so i'll kneel before if that's the sort of thing he does if he just really pushes the imagination of what technology can do and stuff so that's what i want to see with dr strange and like i said if you think sam raimi's up to it if he's the sort of guy you get for the most out there movies you can make then i like then that is definitely a good shout yeah and if we can't get noah holly then you know sam raimi's a good substitute noah holly being the legion guy for those that aren't paying attention 
or the guy that's not directing the next Star Trek movie to you know stick the knife in a little further. Okay, so next Indiana Jones film, Spielberg is out, and James Mangold, who directed Logan and the previous Wolverine film, but everyone says Logan, might be in. I'd be okay with maybe having Indiana Jones, having someone else to take the reins and see what they can do with it. I kind of wish Harrison Ford wasn't getting made to do it again, because I feel like Indy could be a bit like James Bond. You know, you can just have interpretations of him over over a period of time. Obviously, we've not had that because we've had four films of Harrison Ford in that role and he's kind of made it his own. But that's not to say that someone else can make it his own. Someone like John Hamm, for example, where that was being suggested. Or, you know, Chris Pratt, because, yeah, you might be Han Solo. You could be Indiana Jones, you know, that that kind of stuff. Alden Ehrenreich, you know, why not? You played (laughs) Harrison Ford's other character, just play this one as well. I don't know. I'll be interested to see if James Mangold takes it because I like what he's done before, so... Nailed before, I guess. Again, it's another sort of director hire one. I'm happy with the choice of director. Not maybe happy again, similar to you. It's like, do we want to see this character again? The last outing that may or may not exist, depending on your ranking of of Indiana Jones movies. I think there's a little bit of me that's like, yeah, I like some of it. And then there's other elements I'm like, yeah, maybe they should have left it alone. It's better than Um, Temple of Doom. That's all. (laughs) So, I don't know. It depends. I'd hope that they've got some sort of story that has actually drawn people to it rather than, oh, this will make money when we release it. It's got this name on it, so Quick, let's go it for it. before Harrison Ford crashes another plane to get out of it. E- exactly. We've got to do it <laughs> while we've still got Harrison around because we've not been able to establish a way of doing this without him as the character. So, you know. Yeah. It's like they tried at the end of the last one to go, oh, here's the baton getting passed. And it's like. Yeah, but then they passed it to Shia LaBeouf and nobody watched exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but they passed it elsewhere and everyone went, no, 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 no. <laughs> Aaron, do you want to see another Indiana Jones film not directed by Spielberg? I would like to see another Indiana Jones film. And I don't feel like I need Spielberg. And yeah, after the last one, I'm happy to give it another. Do you need Harrison Ford? I don't need a 77-year-old action hero, no. <laughs> um, because I'm not quite sure what the poor guy is going to still be doing. Uh, I mean, no offence to him getting to that old his own age. He's, he's obviously earned his pick of the roles, but I think you might need to exercise a bit more caution and understanding of your own capabilities i mean I, I suppose he's on for 10 minutes and the rest is stuntmen but still <laughs> yeah i don't know um i would be okay with this being handed over completely unlike the star wars stuff where we've said is it a shame or is it not that somebody's tried to do a different thing i think i'm as personally connected to both india and jones and star wars equally and i'd find Indiana Jones trying something different, even completely different, much easier to take because they're standalone films. You know, this doesn't have to have any connection to any previous ones. This could be our modern Robin Hood, which has changed for every generation going back, you know, a thousand years. And you could have an Indiana Jones that changes with the generation that's watching it. This really feels like the right thing that could be handed down through parents to children and on, depending on what they've got. And, yeah, I mean, 
James Bond has done that already. So it's shown that we have got an appetite for that as a as the human species. So I'm, I would definitely be up for it. So I will kneel before that news as it is. Yeah, and it can always be set in the 1930s, even though there's like 40 films and. If you add up all the time that's spent, it's more than 10 years, somehow. <laughs> it doesn't matter, either. Yeah, because it's a serial. That's what they were made for originally, the adventure serials. You weren't really supposed to think too much about them. Which mm. you know, sounds like a cop-out in some ways, because it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to think about this film. But no, sometimes you're not. Sometimes it's an experience. You know, you just let it wash over you. And... They can still be good stories, even oh, if they're yeah. not all interlinked. The thing is, you get stuff like, I, f- I think uh, Isaac Erler mentioned Poirot and that kind of thing. It's like, it's the same character, it's different actors, it's a series of stories, they just drop in different actors and different plots, and you go, okay, that's still the central character, they're fine, yeah. well, we'll accept it. And there are people that could do a really good Indiana Jones. You don't need folk doing their best Harrison Ford impression to do it. You could do different interpretations, different ways of doing it. I Having feel a, like it should be a slightly older guy, you know, like Harrison Ford was, someone who's mm. you know, who's been around the block a few times. So I said John Hamm, someone like that. Yeah, I think. John yeah, Hamm I mean, they're doing Indiana Jones. They're they're doing sort of uh, John Hamm would be a great show is a an Indiana Jones, and then you've got the stuff about Uncharted if it ever gets made. <laughs> which is more, which is more the the younger end of that spectrum. Yeah, Tom so, Holland, because we yeah. like Tom Holland and we like Uncharted, so therefore the two mixed must be brilliant. <laughs> Isaac, what do you think of Indie Five? Well, I I didn't know they were actively on one. I knew they were always sort of thinking about another Indiana Jones. Um, I also didn't know. Again, back to directors, I didn't know they were all Steven Spielberg. <laughs> I thought he just did maybe one and three or something. So yeah, I think I don't change Mongol. Like he said Logan. Maybe he can do it again. <laughs> Logan's really good. Logan's great. And you could probably do a... Especially if... I think with Indiana Jones, you'd have to do like a Passing of the Torch movie. I don't think you could just go, oh, here's another guy. I think you'd have to have the old... You could probably do... Maybe it's an old thing that Indy couldn't get that some young guy takes over. Like Maybe he was like, oh, I never managed to get the... I don't know the secret to the like Garden of Babylon or the Scrolls of Alexandria or something. It's like, it was my one case that I just couldn't get and this new guy sort of takes over and it's, it's kind of like a mentor thing. Or you could even do like bits of flashback and have a young, yeah, olden Eichenreich as Indy again in the, <laughs> in the 30s or something. I think you'd have to do a crossover movie. You'd have to have old indie passing over to whoever takes over as the indie singing. And I think it does need the sort of weariness that Harrison Ford brings to everything, but it's it's not the year it's a mix of like tired but not giving upness. Yeah, yeah it's that you... it's someone who's yeah yeah, someone who can take a punch. I say you do it how I met your mother styley, where you have <laughs> old Harrison Ford narrating a younger Indiana Jones going on one of his quests. Is that not essential what the T V series was? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Young Indiana Jones Chronicles or whatever it was. Did I ever tell you about the time I found the da-da-da-da? Yeah. And that's how you introduce your new Indiana Jones. That's him playing him back in the past. And then when you don't have actual Harrison Ford to do your, let me tell you when, you're still introduced to the actor. You're still introduced to them playing the character and all that sort of stuff. It might pan out that sort of way. I think the thing is, it's not like Bond, the thing is always meant to be, oh, well, it's just sort of a code name. It's not meant to be a real character as much as they've mucked about with that. 
now. It's meant to be a code name that they're given, and there's lots of bonds, and that's how... That's just fan scope. That's how folk that's sort of came up with their solution, yeah. That's headcanon. Exactly. That's folk trying to, to think about that. But Indiana Jones, you're more like, oh, well, it's meant to be an actual guy, so it's not like, congratulations, you have now her- inherited the role of Indiana Jones. <laughs> I will return to being Brian Smith, the archaeologist, rather than the name that I had chosen. So, yeah, I don't know quite how you do a two Indiana Jones in one film thing, unless it's like, like you say, it's someone that comes along and then picks up the mantle somehow. Someone who wants a pseudonym. <laughs> I don't know. Or, you know, like River Phoenix in the third one where they did that whole prologue. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, mixed on that. Good discussion there. I'm just going to gloss over this because I don't think there's a lot to say about it. But the next Jurassic World film is going to have, like, the entire original cast of the first one back. I mean, it sounds great on the surface, but it's Colin Trevorrow or Trevorrow or however the hell you pronounce his name. It's him again. And I hated Jurassic World, and I think that he is not very good, so I'm not that bothered about this. Even if we get Jeff Goldblum doing more than two scenes like he did in Jurassic World 2, yeah, it's just whatever. It's dinosaurs and chasing people again, and the old cast might be running away from them again. Who cares? Yeah, we've had enough nostalgia in the Jurassic franchise. Can we not just move on and do something else with it? I think the way they left the last film is kind of interesting. It's different. It's the dinosaurs aren't on the island. The dinosaurs are loose. Yeah, but there's like six of them left, judging by the end of that last film. So it's not that big a problem, surely. I don't know. They seem to make it more of a deal. But then, let's see. Aaron, any quick thoughts on Jurassic World 3? I'm afraid I've fallen way out of this franchise and have very little connection to it. I'm not sure I'm that inspired to come back either. Yeah. I thought the second one wasn't too bad, to be fair, but the first one made me want to watch the the original Jurassic Park all the way through it. It's like, there's the herd of Gallimimus. There's the giant door. Here's all these scenes you remember. You know, it's, yeah, by all means, pay homage to it, but don't make me wish I was watching it instead. Isaac, any big thoughts on that, or...? Yeah, echoing. Yeah, no, I don't really care for the Jurassic franchise. I don't really that bothered about the Jurassic Parks one to three, so I don't never bother with Jurassic Worlds. I've not seen any of the modern ones, yeah. so yeah, sure, they always do that. Bring them back, get all the cast back. I'm like, fine, whatever. Yeah. Just what people do now. Yeah, it'll be a thing. It might come out. People might enjoy it. People might not. Who knows? Last piece of news. Something I'm really excited about. I'll kneel before it immediately. So Nicolas Cage is going to be in a film where he essentially plays different eras of himself. And I think the film's going to be called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And Deadline reports that Cage will play a fictionalised version of himself in what is described as a meta-story, in which he has paid $1 million to attend a wealthy superfan's birthday party. According to the plot description, he has to become a version of some of his most iconic and beloved characters in order to extricate himself from an increasingly dangerous situation. This sounds, as a Nicolas Cage fan, perfect. It's an excuse for Nicolas Cage to go mental in every way that he's gone mental in the past, and I cannot wait. I think I'm not even a Nicolas Cage fan, and it sounds really funny. So, yeah. it's yeah. A, it, The premise sounds a little bit like JCVD, which is a film where Jean-Claude Van Damme playing himself goes to a bank, and people try to rob the bank, and people keep getting on at him and save the day, even though he's like, I'm not like Kickboxer, I'm Jean-Claude Van Damme, I'm not any of those characters you've ever seen. Except this film will be Nicolas Cage being like, no, no, I'm all of these characters you've ever seen, and I'm going to be all of them at once. It just sounds nuts, so why not? Peak Nicolas Cage. It'll either be 
bad brilliant or brilliant. Yeah. It'll be one of those. It'll be the worst thing you've ever seen so hilarious or the best thing you've seen and hilarious. I mean, Nicolas Cage gets the joke. You know, he understands what people say about him. So this is a good chance for him to show it and make something out of it. And yeah. Isaac, what do you think of Nick Cage? And this? I'm not really a big fan of that idea, to be honest. Too gimmicky. It, I don't know, it's, it sounds like extras where it's, it's just actors meant to be doing greatest hits things. Nicholas Cage is fine, but I don't want to go and see him just overact and stuff. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I want to see. So I'm, I'm going to rise against that. Okay. That sounds like just sort of just a bit cringy. I mean, that'll be the, the idea, I think. It's just going to, yeah. It'll make you cringe to the point where you look back to loving it and then you cringe again and then, yeah, it's going to be insane. So that's it. We made our way through the list. That was relatively painless. Does anyone have anything else they wanted to bring up as a last piece of thing at all? Don't think I've got anything. Chris and or Aaron, anything you finally wanted to mention? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I forgot to mention the Good Place finale, which I very much liked, but I think I've mentioned that on another podcast. We'll so. talk about it at some point. Yeah, mm. I liked it a lot. Um, I think it bears a bit of a longer discussion. So, yeah, I think we'll we'll get to that. Aaron, anything you wanted to bring up? No, I think we covered it at the start with our what we're watching. Cool. I was going to talk a bit about Ahsoka Tano being cast in The Mandalorian Season 2. Rosario Dawson's going to play Ahsoka from Clone Wars and Rebels, which I would have kind of liked Ashley Eckstein to pick up the role in live action because she plays her in the, in the cartoon as well, but... Well, we'll talk more about that at a later date, I think, once we, we get more chat on, on the go about certain things. So, yeah, so that's it. Considering everything's cancelled, we still managed to find stuff to talk about, so I'm happy with that. So, you know, Isaac, thanks for appearing and social distancing. Yay, thank you. Aaron, thanks for staying two metres apart and still contributing. Pleasure. And Chris, thank you for living up to that restraining order. It means I don't have to phone the police again. My lawyers, thank you. They're busy enough arresting people for being out for their second walk. So we'll be back with something. Nothing's coming out, so yeah, we've got to talk about We'll be back with something. So yeah, thank you all, and stay safe and stay apart. So that was our discussion about many of the current goings-on in the world of nerdy entertainment in these lockdown times. A special thanks to YouTuber Squid Physics for his cover of the Sonic the Hedgehog Green Hill Zone theme, and YouTuber Bruce Butler for his cover of the Top Gun anthem. If you like what you heard, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. iTunes users, please do leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to talk more about everything we discussed here, then you can reach us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave comments on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. Please do stay safe in this unprecedented time and catch us on the next Locked Down Neil Before Pod.